0: Kevin, I'd like to know this. I'd like to know the percentage of the game that you saw last night between Denver and the Chargers. I watched the entire first half. There was a promotion last night for those that are interested in putting a little financial stake in games for a, you know, basically money line match that Justin Herbert would throw a anytime touchdown one touchdown in the game for Justin Herbert last night was the second time in the history of the National Football League that a guy has thrown over 50 passes in a game without a touchdown <laughs> and people in Vegas are laughing Vegas always knows, man.
1: 57 attempts, right, for Justin Herbert last night. No touchdowns. They had a one-leg kicker that made four field goals, and they won the game.
0: What did I tell you about Mike Williams? Boomer bust. hmm Last night bust. But, you know, it's interesting to me, the NFL this week, it was just an ugly week in the league all the way around, was it not? I mean— not an ugly – I mean, whatever. There were exciting games, don't get me wrong. But the quarterbacking play, I mean, as I talked about, the average yards thrown for winning quarterbacks this week was just really low. Like, are we seeing a shift? Is this an anomaly? What's going on? Just ugly games. Is it the Denver effect, the Denver Thursday night effect? Yeah, the curse of the last two Thursday
1: night yeah. games. Everyone's watching it, and now they feel that, and they – uh Unfortunately, are embracing it on Sundays and Mondays. Good Tuesday morning to you. Um, I believe outside of maybe our downtown slash immediate um, kind of mile or two radius, it seems like there is snow on the ground, especially to our southern and western viewing. Did you have to hit the, wipe, the wipers this morning? You're definitely going to have to scrape. Um, I don't know if I'm more frustrated that it's snowing on october 18th or that our stream is down so apologies to those that try and view us via the stream youtube our app um hopefully that'll be back up and running uh so uh, kind of a frustrating start to this tuesday morning for myself jake yeah you woke up on the
0: wrong side of the bed huh well,
1: I, we got a great
0: show lined up we do have a great show lined and
1: up, and i would love for everyone to hear it rick Carlisle is gonna join us at 8 30 alec pierce at 9 30 if you missed any of the jeff saturday interview with us We'll re-rack that at seven thirty. That's a pretty good lineup here on a Tuesday morning. And then, not to mention, I mean, we aren't even a month into fall. It shouldn't be allowed to snow yet.
0: The snow is really troublesome. <laughs> That's like, are you kidding me?
1: Like, I thought to myself, do I need to check to see if like Rosie goes to a daycare at a school? I'm like, do I need to see if the
0: school is delayed this morning? It's, I, I mean, it's October 18th. What are we doing? It's legitimately cold outside, is it not?
1: Yeah, it is cold. Again, um, live just north of downtown. No snow on the ground around me. Certainly frost on cars driving in this morning. uh, But it does seem like a decent amount of the metro area is dealing with some snow. Just kind of a light dusting to begin this Tuesday. Yeah, 19-16 last night. The Chargers win. It was looking like a tie. Denver- uh, rookie Montrell Washington muffs a punt with about four five minutes to go in overtime. And Dustin Hopkins knocks home another field goal. He Claude could barely walk, Annie right? or whatever it was. At one point, he fell down after one of his kicks. I know. I was like, is that Bill Gramatica, or is that just... Four so for the- four for Hopkins. Um, and that was the scoring that they needed. Austin Eckler touchdown. And like you said, Jake, for those that took the
0: Justin Herbert to throw a touchdown prop, sorry about you. Uh, Good morning to you. As Kevin had mentioned, this is Kevin Inquiry here on 93.5, 107.5. The fans, Sam Fritz running the big board for us. And as Kevin had mentioned, big show lined up this morning. We will replay Jeff Saturday coming up in just a little bit. Then at 8.30, Rick Carlisle, head coach of the Indiana Pacers, joins us on the program at 9.30, the hero from... Sunday, I'm looking forward to this one, Kevin, with Alec Pierce.
1: Yeah, he's going to join us at 9.30. Um, certainly a lot to get to with him. I will try in. I don't know, I feel weird like even telling people where to listen because, Jake, if they're listening to us right now, they will have already found the successful place to listen. And if you're not able to listen to us right now, you're not going to hear this message. So this is probably <laughs> just speaking on deaf ears, but um, our website, There is a link right there to listen live. I I hope that works. Uh, There's no internet in the building, so we can't necessarily um, see if that's working. I'm laughing, but inside I'm crying. I was thinking about this last night watching that Monday night game. You look at the Colts' schedule in December this year, Jake, and all of a sudden there's like, and of course a ton can change in the next month and a half. But you have a four-game stretch of four and two Cowboys, five and one Vikings, four and two Chargers, five and one Giants. Those are four of your final five games right there. I don't think that stretch would have been circled at the start of the year. But so far, I would classify Cowboys, Vikings, and Giants as early season surprises how about okay
0: let's go over a few of these are the eagles a surprise
1: uh yeah i don't think anybody thought they'd be they, the, the last undefeated right.
0: team and I, mean, I, I think jalen hurts certainly is a surprise right yeah, like i mean, I mean they did make
1: the playoffs last year and you know second year head coach and you expect kind of natural developing and a.j brown was a huge huge trade but to the level of you know six and zero, oh and
0: they've been very impressive in a lot of those games too the Giants, certainly. I, the Giants are a difficult one because, it, quite frankly, and this is admittedly more so just because I haven't watched the Giants a lot, but let me ask you, what, what is the formula that is allowing the – like if if NFL Films called you right now and they said, Kevin Bowen, we know that you are the foremost leader in Indianapolis in coverage of the local NFL team, so we will ask you – We want to use you as part of our panel to describe in the video of the 2022 New York Giants. What is their formula on why they're winning? Your answer is? Well, I'd say a healthy Saquon Barkley would be the
1: first thing. Um, I mean, he is arguably, I mean, I would say this year he's probably been the best back in the league with Jonathan Taylor having his issues. Um, And I think they play decent defense. I I don't think they're the 85 Bears, but... Um, yeah, I would say Saquon Barkley and being quite their, frankly, being their catalyst,
0: probably part of it also. And they've won a lot of close games, But a quarterback that's taking care of the football. I, I don't know that Daniel Jones is blowing anybody away. I have no idea right now. Like what his rating is or whatever. You don't hear a lot about him, no, but you don't hear a lot about him, which is probably a good thing, right? Like they're just kind of, they're doing what they need to do.
1: Um, a tweet here. Uh, Hey Kevin, the info of where to listen was helpful. Listen, on my way to work, and then I'm forced to listen um, to country all day, every day. So um, I guess for those driving in and listening to terrestrial radio right now, once you get into work, uh, head to our website, 107.5 The Fan. There's usually a link on the front of that page where you can listen live. And if we have any updates, Sam Fritz, feel free to hop on the mic and let us know.
0: You know what I just figured out, which I'm fascinated by? There are 14 games in the NFL this weekend, right? Of the 14 quarterbacks that won this weekend, they totaled a grand total of exactly 3,000 yards. These are the things that I just find amazing.
1: You did that math? Yeah. Why?
0: What do you mean? (laughs) Why would you add that up? It took two seconds. Because I was fascinated by, I'm using the word fascinated a lot. I was interested in the, the, it just seemed like the numbers in a passing standpoint have dipped drastically this weekend. You had, of the 14 quarterbacks, these are winning quarterback numbers. You ready? 99 yards, 129 yards, 110 yards, 175 yards, 173 yards, 144 yards, 197 yards, 155 yards. I mean, usually you have like one. That's like an anomaly usually, right? Right. And yet, Kevin, these aren't teams that are offsetting that with backs that are going for 160 and three touchdowns. Earl Campbell is not walking through that door. Tony Dorsett's not walking through, walking through that door. Good week for defenses? Yeah, I. that's – I don't know what it – like, it just seems like the scoring and the offense mm. dipped this weekend. That's not – this This doesn't, by any stretch of the imagination, mean that this is the norm. It's just all of a sudden – maybe it is the curse of that Broncos-Colts game, but all of a sudden it's like, are there a lot – you know, one hand you would say it's ugly football, and the other hand you would say it's really good football because it's very balanced.
1: Speaking of Mother Nature, a postponement last night of Game that? 5, Guardians and Yankees, that is pushed to today. four o 1st pitch there. The winner then heads to Houston for Game 1 of the ALCS on Wednesday. Uh, we'll also get the NLCS started tonight. So ALCS will start tomorrow night. Either Guardians or Yankees, NLCS underway from San Diego. First pitch eight oh three tonight. The Phillies and the Padres. That is the number six seed and the number five seed.
0: I think we need to hold on. We got to redo this. Uh, Mark, when we all established who our team was going to be that we were going to ride during the course of the playoffs, I believe Mark took the Blue Jays, right?
1: It sounds right.
0: And they they were booted, and then I think he went with the Mariners. They were booted. I went with the Mets. They're gone. Uh, you went with who? I was the Mariners. You went with the Mariners. Okay. Uh, so now we've got Padres, Phillies. We know that Sam is going to take the Phillies because he's a Phillies fan.
1: Yeah, I'll go Padres.
0: Then we've got Guardian, Yankees, and Astros. Now you can't take Astros because they're cheaters, right? Are they still cheaters? Eh, I mean, I think once the apology a cheater, is still a ongoing. Cheater. Yeah, I would agree with that. Wasn't Altuve one of the culprits? And yeah, do, do not, don't rip my jersey off. Don't rip my jersey off. Don't rip my jersey off. Why do you, why do you, why are you so worried about your jersey getting Well, I don't want my wife to see my tattoo. Okay, um, I'll go Padres.
1: Kind of a wild excuse by him.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's quick thinking on his feet, isn't it? Well, you got to give him that much. I don't know about that one.
1: Uh, Carson Wentz. The news not great on that front for the Colts and. You know, obviously, you don't want to see anybody injured. Fractured ring finger for him on his throwing hand. Surgery yesterday. Jake, I'm kind of bummed because I wanted to see that environment inside of Lucas Oil Stadium in two weeks.
0: You're right. I mean, Carson went. They say four weeks, right? Four to six. Is so the third at the table. minimum, that puts him out for here. Boy, that would have been. What do they do then with the thanks for the memories video? That's message? a great question. Yeah, I don't know. They give it the finger.
1: Well, doesn't he still live here? Maybe he'll be maybe he's bring him down and put him he in the end zone. He does still live here. You know? so I
0: wonder if the procedure's being done here.
1: They honored Justin Snow, you know, last week at the game. Maybe they can honor Carson Wentz in I two saw
0: weeks. him this morning. Um, surgery was in LA, by the way. Okay. You know, not to go down this rabbit hole again, but for Carson Wentz, why are you guys talking about Carson Wentz? It's an Indianapolis radio station. I'm a Colts fan. It does affect. He, he needs to take 70% of the snaps on the year for Washington or else what was thought to be a second-round pick coming back for him becomes a third-round pick. Not a huge issue because it's an additional pick, I realize, and there's not a massive difference between round two and round three. Oh, yeah. I, but I think it, it helps.
1: I think it's a very big issue.
0: Uh, I mean – yeah, again. when you
1: when you're talking about trading up for a quarterback, I I think it's a big big deal.
0: No, I I get that, but you still have your own pick, is what I'm getting at. I mean, it's definitely. Again, you have, you would have to think, Kevin, if you're trading up to get a quarterback, it's part of a package you're trading. It's not the lone thing you're going to be trading.
1: Yeah, you've lost some significant ammo. If and when this pick becomes a third rounder, um, I
0: I think at this point it is a third rounder, right? I mean, there's.
1: Yeah, assuming he is out for, you know, the end of that 4-6 to six range. And honestly, even if he's only out 4, if they have success with Taylor Heineke, they're probably not going to go back to Carson. Uh, maybe they'll go to Sam Howell at that point if they're out of it in the NLEs. But, I mean, when you look at how the draft is laid out right now, I mean, the Colts are picking in the early 20s. And if you're trying to formulate a trade package that, you know, wants to get up there with a Carolina or Detroit or Houston or – I think Seattle has a couple first-round picks. You are going to have to put together a trade package unforeseen, certainly in this franchise's history, if you want to get one of the first three or four quarterbacks.
0: Do you believe that the Colts are now in a position where this season's draft is imperatively a take a quarterback first draft for the Colts.
1: Yeah, I think you could argue that in recent drafts, but yes, the problem becomes Jake though. You might not just have the opportunity to go up there and get, you know, 1, 2 or 3 on the QB board. You're, you if you do that, are you content with number 4 or 5? Right. on that board. Um and I think that is what is concerning looking forward. Again, you don't have your third rounder this year.
0: The thing you that will worries get
1: Washington's me. third rounder, but you traded your third rounder for Nick Cross. So this is not an additional pick necessarily. You've got your first, you've got your second, your third rounder, you gave for Nick Cross last year. You would get Washington's third rounder in this, but if you're going to put together a trade package, it's gonna have to involve a lot of that second and third this year and potentially future first.
0: The the thing that concerns me is the following, and that is I think the Colts, I think every general manager does this, so I'm not trying to single out the Colts by any stretch of the imagination here, but I think that every general manager in the NFL does kind of the same thing sometimes, and that is they feel like, hey, I know that everybody feels like we have to take a quarterback as one of the top three quarterbacks in this draft, but I know a little more than everybody else, and there's a guy that a lot of people slot as a fourth-round pick that I think – is being slept on, and I think he's a second round talent. Yada yada yada, and so for the, my point being for the Colts, I don't. I think the Colts have run out of, of rope here. Like they have to get it right. They, they there is no messing around. There's no like you know what DJ Uyangale we feel like is as good as CJ Stroud, but the situation was a little bit different. So, no, I, if that's Deshaun Kaiser, that's Deshaun Kaiser, and you got to admit it. I just hope that they don't try to get too cute. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? I don't think they will, but I, it, I'm afraid that the Colts will try to outthink it.
1: There are drafts you can point to, Jake, where second, third, and fourth quarterback taken, though, end up being the best ones. I mean, Mahomes was no, not I get the it. first quarterback. I get it, but Josh I'm saying— is was not the first. Lamar Jackson was not the first. But I'm
0: saying, if you— th- in other words, I'm saying if they think that they can get away with like waiting until round two, you know, taking pass rush and and the first pick or whatever else, and like, well, we you know we we feel comfortable about this year's draft class that we don't feel like we've got to take one of those first three quarterbacks. I, I just I, I get it more often than not. I mean, it is interesting if you look at the best quarterbacks in the league right now, uh, many of them are guys that were slept on. I, I get it, but you. You, when you are in the situation that they're in, I just feel like the quarterback situation is a must-have right now situation. And I like Matt Ryan a lot, but he's not going to be at this level. For Look at Tom Brady. I mean, when it falls off, it falls off. It's pretty obvious.
1: Um, Apologies to our streaming audience. Again, for those that are just joining us, Terrestrial Radio right now, Um, you can head to our website. There is a listen live button. Sam, any updates outside of that?
2: Uh, The only update I really have is that when I tried the Listen Live button, it did not work. Well, that is not very
1: comforting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be the best show we've ever had. We have never before been more confident of the fact that this is the best show that we've ever had in the history of this program. And if it's not, we're going to tell everybody it is because only speaking of... For Carson Wentz, we came into this hoping that seventy percent of accessibility was there, but we have a, a hurt, we have a boo boo on our finger, and so we're just hoping now for seventy percent by the end, right?
1: I think we're at seven <laughs> percent. Rick Carlisle eight thirty, Alec Pierce at nine thirty. I cannot stress enough to our listening audience: the podcast will be available after the show, and apologies on that front. Sam will have that up by the eleven o'clock hour, so hopefully. If you guys want to, you can check that out a little bit later today. Um, We saw the AP top 25 college basketball poll released yesterday. Uh, No Big Ten team in it. And this is from ESPN. Excuse me, no Big Ten team in the top 10. First time since 1977.
0: Really? That note from ESPN. Interesting considering in 1977, the defending national champion and undefeated team was a Big Ten team who defeated a Big Ten team in the national championship game. You would think that one of those two would have sneaked into the top 25 the next year. Uh, North Carolina number one in the land. Did that surprise you? I knew North Carolina had obviously – No, I mean, they bring back everybody but Larry Bird. I mean, they had a really strong run, and some of that felt like, you know, in March they got hot at the right time, right? Uh, But they have, yeah, they have virtually everybody back. Carolina, Gonzaga,
1: Houston, Kentucky, and Kansas, the top five. The first Big Ten team listed, Indiana at 13, Michigan 22, Illinois 23. Those are your Big Ten teams in the top 25. Purdue, I think, was fifth in receiving votes. Uh, Jake, your thoughts on IU at 13?
0: Yeah, I think Indiana, there's a lot of expectation. And I do think Indiana is going to be really good. It all comes down to how quickly I think their guard play kind of blends. Listen, we know that Trace Jackson Davis is a great player. Obviously, Race Thompson coming back helps them a lot. And they have talent at multiple positions. The, The guard play, I think they're going to be able to play at a faster pace. I think they're going to be able to play with the real key for Indiana is whether or not they can find a single consistent outside shooter if they do I think defensively they have and I hate to use buzzwords here or sound but I think they are longer meaning I think it's going to be difficult for teams to get themselves high percentage shots against Indiana I think ball movement against Indiana is going to be a bigger challenge than a year ago so for Indiana Trace Jackson Davis is going to be able to score on the block. We know that. Race Thompson is a really good complement, and those two obviously are like peanut butter and jelly. The the backcourt play and shooting from the outside is going to be Indiana's key. If they can get that, Kevin, then I think Indiana has a very high ceiling.
1: Yeah, and I think back half of the year, Xavier Johnson – Not the one behind the wheel. I'm talking about the one in February and March. (laughs) What you saw from him last season will be vital as well. I know a lot of people were kind of freaking out about that ranking yesterday. I have no issue with it whatsoever. Um, Does IU have to prove themselves? Duh. Are these expectations much, much different than how they finished in the Big Ten in years past? Without question. But when you look at what they bring back, I mean... They bring back 90% of scoring. They bring back an All-American. They bring back an All-Big Ten guard. They bring in a couple of, you know, heralded freshmen. I mean, for a team that brings back, you know, whatever, 80%, 90% of their scoring, a second-year coach, pegging IU as a Sweet 16-type team. Yeah, I I think that's totally fair. Again, you've got to prove it, and it's a totally different bullseye than this program has operated with in years past. I can fully acknowledge that. But I have no issue in anyone sitting here right now in October and thinking IU has potential to be a Sweet 16 team. And that's what this ranking indicates to me. And it indicates to me, Jake, it
0: it could be a down year for the Big Ten. I think think Indiana's ceiling is beyond the Sweet 16, but um, that's with improvement. As to where they are right now, I think they're a Sweet 16 caliber, so point taken there. By the way, good morning to uh, Chiefs fan Steve, who I want to – tip my cap not only to steve but everybody that, per- that participated this weekend in the mutt strut uh steve and his dog milton who is the coolest uh they raised close to four hundred dollars for the humane society along with uh thousands of others that took part this weekend so great fundraiser for all of our four-legged friends at the humane society of marion county
1: any um, word on iheart radio playing the stream sam shane said iheart radio is working
0: i can give
2: that a look Kevin Kevin is
0: like you know and
1: I think the frustration is understandable right
0: Shawshank Redemption the, the the poster for Shawshank Redemption that shows Andy Dufresne played by Tim Robbins coming out of the the sewer pipe and he's got the or the water pipe and he's reaching up to the heavens as the rain falls that looks like you reaching for places where people can listen this morning Kevin Kevin still has his jacket on despite the fact it's 35 degrees out he came in smoking hot
1: <laughs> i mean soon as sam texted us the internet's down the building i just yeah I just, well
0: the internet here's what's funny about internet service i i let out a few it is very much oldest. like when the power goes out when the how many times when you're at home and there's a storm outside or something or someone there's an accident and the power goes out and you know the power's out, and you walk into the next room and immediately flip on the light switch. You're like, "Oh, that's right. There's no power." And you reach for your remote. Oh, there's no power. I've tried downloading my email ten times. Oh, that's right. There's no internet. For those it's hopping in their cars pains, on Kevin. this, it's just simple growing pains. Just pardon our dust. It'll be fine. Everything will be fine.
1: For those hopping on their cars on this Tuesday morning, a little bit of a dusting on the ground. Uh, don't be alarmed. Uh, not really by us, I guess, in the downtown area, just north of downtown. Uh, but it does sound like surrounding counties a little bit of snow on the ground. So keep an eye out. for the, that The captain on this has Tuesday put on this,
0: the "fasten your seatbelt" sign here, Kevin. But we expect smooth sailing anytime. Uh, good morning, folks. Uh, a little bit uh, rough uh, air here at the beginning, but uh, we expect that to uh, smooth out. So sit back, relax. That, that's all we're asking you to do, Kevin. That's once, all we're asking
2: you. To do. Once again, my father was an air traffic controller, and that was a ten out of ten. Pilot report right After. there. Thank you very much.
1: A lot of turbulence we are hitting here on Kevin and Quay on this Tuesday morning. If you Ding. missed it, we'll replay the Jeff Saturday interview coming up here in about 10 minutes. Chargers 19, Broncos 16. Dustin Hopkins, the hobbled Charger kicker last night, knocks home four field goals, including a game winner in overtime as the Chargers beat the Broncos on Monday Night Football. Jake, it was looking like a tie. And then all of a sudden, Denver muffs a punt there late in OT. And Dustin Hopkins does what I guess Rodrigo Blankenship could not do last year when he was hurt
0: on Monday Night Football. Uh, Just brutal, to be honest with you. I mean, uh, you know, not a bad game. I guess entertaining if you have no rooting interest. Although a lot of people had a rooting interest because uh, one of the promotions was for Justin Herbert and any time touchdown throw, which seemingly would be kind of automatic. He threw 57 passes, only one time in the history of the National Football League has a quarterback thrown 55 or more and not thrown a touchdown pass. That was Warren Moon. Last night becomes the second time that's happened. Justin Herbert, 57 passing yards, no touchdowns, but Chargers get the win, 19-16. Today in Major League Baseball
1: we will get an elimination game as long as Mother Nature cooperates. Unlike last night, it'll be Yankees and Guardians four o seven. That will be Game Five, the decider, from Yankee Stadium at eight o three tonight. It'll be Phillies and Padres in Game One of the NLCS. No break time for the Yankees and Guardians as they head. Uh, the winner of that will head to Houston to get the ALCS. Started on Wednesday, so we'll wrap up the divisional series tonight, hopefully, and then
0: uh, we'll start the NLCS
1: uh, with uh, Padres and Phillies in San Diego.
0: Am I the only one that, even though the Padres are kind of cool because they haven't, you know, it's been nearly 30 years since they have won a playoff series until this year, etc. But Padres Phillies, I, I, Sam, I know is a Phillies fan, and that's cool. But the Phillies are one of those franchises that, like, unless you grew up in the area, do you know anybody that's a Phillies fan?
1: Well, Matt Conti for the Colts is a huge, huge Phillies fan, and um, so I, I do know. Is he from the area? He is, um, so I do know him. I, I think it's cool that in a league where the salary cap does not allow for much parity, that you're getting two teams that have not been there in quite some time with San Diego and Philly. I, Like, it's not just Cardinals and Dodgers. Yeah,
0: that's fair. That's cool. I mean – Padres would be cool. Listen, I think the Padres would be fun just because it's totally random, right? Padres, Guardians, that's what I'm pulling for. Let's go with Chaos. There we go. There we go.
1: Um, Looking ahead to the Colts. Today is an off day. They will practice again Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Back on that normal routine as they really have a lot of Sunday games uh, between now and I think until Thanksgiving. They play the Monday after Thanksgiving. It'll be the Titans. Tennessee's won four straight. Goes without saying how massive this one is on Sunday in Nashville. Tennessee is coming off a bye week. Uh, if you missed it, we'll replay the Jeff Saturday interview here in a few minutes. And Alec Pierce
0: is going to join us at nine. Jeff disagreed with me on one thing. He gave me a D, not an F. What would you have graded my question? That uh, I Jeff would not Saturday have given a you a
1: D. No, I, I I thought that was a very legitimate question.
0: He strongly disagreed. We'll let folks listen to that and see what they think. By the way, um, the AP College Basketball Top 25 is out, as Kevin mentioned. North Carolina, the number one team in the land, followed by Gonzaga, Houston, Kentucky, and then a tie for five between Baylor and Kansas. Rounding out the top ten, Duke, UCLA, Creighton, and Arkansas. Jake, I didn't hear a Big Ten team there mentioned at all. Yeah, you did not. That's correct. Indiana, the highest ranked at 13th, followed by Michigan at 22, Illinois at 23, and, by the way, Dayton at 24. Dayton's like the only outlier, really, in the top 25 Ooh, of I teams. Thought, that,
1: I thought TCU was an outlier. Yeah,
0: TCU's an outlier. That's fair. TCU coming in at 14th, right behind Indiana. Um, TCU's well-coached, at least. Alabama, maybe, is an outlier, 20th. Oh, I feel like what's-his-name has done a nice job there. They, I mean, they're well-coached for sure. Arkansas is the one that... must bus. Yeah, Musselman's pretty fun, isn't he?
1: Alright, apologies for those trying to dial us up on the stream. Terrestrial Radio, um, unfortunately, is the only place we are on today. So, check us, check us out there. Rick Carlisle at 8.30, Alec Pierce at 9.30. We come back, Jeff, Saturday.
3: That's a really good group that they, they blocked against. I mean, they gave them a ton of uh, five-man fronts. They were trying to single up and, and get an edge, and then they brought some uh, overloaded pressure. So, I give a ton of credit, not, not only to the offensive line, but to the backs that picked up uh, blitzers in the inside and to Matt Ryan, not, not holding the ball, but realizing when a play was dead to either get rid of it uh, or, or try to step up in the pocket and make something happen. But, uh, you know, sacks don't always go to the offensive line, and neither do, do, do days like this. It was it was a really, really well-executed game on all those fronts.
0: Jeff, it seems strange to say this about a guy you know, who is surpassing Dan Marino in career passing yardage. But even with that, with that level of experience for Matt Ryan, does a guy like Matt Ryan need, did he need that no huddle to just get in rhythm and kind of let the feel for the game come back to him after obviously some disjointed play the first couple of weeks?
3: And I, I definitely think he did. And, and listen, I, you know, I think you saw the Colts plan from the very beginning. I mean, you know, when they come out, uh, they weren't going to try to run Jacksonville out of that that five man front where they try to cover uh, the guard, center, and guard. But they were going to throw it out, which puts a lot of pressure and trust on the quarterback. And I think to your point, uh, you know, Matt, that's about as comfortable as I've seen him. Um, not only in his drops, but in his awareness of where to go with the ball, like the ball coming out on time. Uh, And then when there was pressure, he did a really good job. I I think the last two weeks, honestly, have been his two best of stepping up into the internal portion of the pocket and delivering it. And so to your point, a guy who's played forever, it doesn't always come naturally to guys. Sometimes it takes a little time, and I think he's finding his way in this offense. I think you saw that yesterday.
1: Jeff, what did you like about no huddle when you guys implemented it?
3: Oh, man. It, it, rotation of, of D linemen becomes very difficult. So, you know, you, you're trying to fatigue them. And then also the alignment, like the amount of things that they can do to you, they can't surprise you nearly as much because they have a certain personnel group on the field, right? So, you you see – which linebackers are going to play what position, where they're trying to put guys, it just clarifies everything. You really see it extremely well. Now, that also limits you a little bit offensively because you can't do as many packages and as many exchanges as you do normally. But I'm telling you, it simplifies it from a defensive perspective. And then, again, that fatigue on, on pass rushers, having to put their hand in the dirt and then go turn and chase the ball, uh, those guys, get, they, they get tired and you, be, you become much more efficient passing off games understanding where pressure is going to come from and then trying to uh uh try to exploit where they are weak
1: okay i want to expand a little bit on what you just said there again jeff saturday's with us here you hear him after every colts game right here on kevin and inquiry what i guess would be the cons what would be the hesitancy You, you did mention maybe it limits you know your personnel groupings your playbook a little bit why don't you think we see teams tap into it a little bit more frequently
3: well, because you right, so you know the group, it, it, the way the NFL works now is if you run a personnel group off the field and then try to run a guy back on the field, then the defense has time to adjust to your personnel, right? Like guys are guys are running back and forth, and they're making sure you know that you know. Back in the day, it was you're catching twelve on the field all the time. Guys are trying to you know sneak guys in back and forth, but but to yesterday's game plan. You're limited in how much you can do. So you know if you're if you have a two tight end formation in or two tight end personnel group in, you're going to run with that grouping. So what you know, no matter how many different ways you're going to try to move those guys around, those defenses, that's how they predict what you're going to do. Right? That's your tendencies. That's what you show so you become a little bit more boxed in with what you're going to try to accomplish. And so now it's about exploiting what you know, which matchups you can take advantage of. And you saw Pittman, you know, time and time again, drive forward, come across over in the middle. You know, you, because you know you have a good matchup, whether it's on the outside or whether it's on, a, uh, or on the inside, you're looking for matchups now as, as, as opposed to looking for defenses or coverages as much. It becomes more of an ISO game, and I know I'm getting really into the weeds of football, but it becomes an ISO game where I'm looking at, hey, who do we match up with? Yesterday, obviously, we liked the Griffin matchup no matter who was going against him. So we're going to, you know, Ryan's going to look over that way hey, who's who's keyed up? Let's see what we can get on this route or this concept that we're going to run. But again, it simplifies not only your offense, but your personnel groups, but it does the same for the defense. I loved it as a player. Listen, you saw us run it. I mean, we ran it a ton in Indy when I was there, and it was because we believed our guys on the field were better than those guys. So let's go play 60 minutes with our best and see if they can keep up.
0: Jeff, when you watch film around the league, Just kind of off the top of your head here for Jeff Saturday. What percent of the time is on the field is what's taking place being predicated or based on the offense setting that tone and the defense having to adjust to it versus – the defense setting the tone and the offense having to adjust to what they're seeing does that make sense what i'm asking
3: yeah 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 i would say 70 percent is off is predicated off offense okay and um, you, you, yeah you have very few defenses that can really dictate to an offense so and, and it's a great question jay but like so the re- the reason i was telling you about like that five man front that they run right that jacksonville wanted to run so you really have two options when they when they line up in what we call like a bear or a double eagle where the two guards in the center are covered and then you have two pass rushers on your tackle. So that's basically five D-linemen versus five O-linemen and th- and that's not counting the linebackers that are going to be behind that. Well, you either you know, so you know you're going to have one-on-ones if you're trying to run the football, which is really difficult in the NFL, but it all, it gives you an advantage if you can protect it because now they have five guys rushing and only six guys in coverage. So d- defenses try to dictate to you by putting those packages in. Uh, you'll, hear, you'll hear defenses call it like NASCAR packages, which are, you know, pass rushing type defenses. Or And you used to see it like Rex Ryan used to have and Vic Fangio, you know, they kind of junk it up. You don't really know who is who. Guys are standing up and kind of walking around. But that's really, that's that 30% I'm talking to you about. But the other 70, it's really about the person groups that you're bringing from an offensive perspective and the alignment that you're placing them in. And then a the defense makes adjustments because they have X amount of gaps that they have to cover based on what you're bringing in.
0: So the, the Colts themselves with this particular unit, Jeff, with Matt Ryan and Pittman and Taylor, do you find that they are the ones setting the tone at about the same clip as the rest of the league or are they behind the pace there a little bit?
3: uh they're probably behind a little bit teams have played us for the majority of the season and taking away taylor and so what they what they basically decided to do was we're going to stack the box we're going to we're going to really make it really difficult on this this offensive line to create gaps you know we we're an inside zone outside zone team right like that's kind of what you're based in it's not a gap scheme very much it's really kind of you're going to give the ball and you're going to press it front side and try to get it back side And so what teams have done is exactly what I'm telling you. They've lined up in that five-man front a lot or bringing extra linebackers down and saying, hey, we're going to force you to beat us on the outside and we're going to force Matt Ryan to beat us and we're going to bring pressure packages so you can't sit back all day and do it. We're going to try to bring one extra or at least make five-on-five or six-on-six block and see if those guys can hold off long enough for Ryan to make it I think yesterday was the first time that we really continued to take a defense out of what they wanted to do or really two weeks the last two weeks even though we didn't score a lot of points but that we dictated it in hey we're going to do it this way and, and you know kind of, kind of come hell or high water this is what we're going to execute in and I think it's benefited us and in, 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 um, you know in winning those games. You are listening to Kevin and Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. 8 o'clock hour here
1: on Kevin and Query. Rick Carlisle going to join us at the bottom of the hour. The Pacers get their season underway tomorrow night. That's at home with the Wizards. They're at home again Friday and Saturday. Spurs and Pistons as they start a season really unlike any other for the franchise in quite some time. And then Alec Pierce will be joining the show At 9.30. Um, Again, for those that are just now tuning in, um, two rather alarming things on this Tuesday morning. One, you might walk outside and see snow (laughs) on the ground. Uh, Two, if you typically find us via the stream, whether that's the app or the YouTube stream or the iHeart app or wherever, unfortunately those are down. Apologies on that front. uh, Terrestrial radio is the only avenue to find us. We should have the podcast up a little bit later this afternoon, um, or hopefully actually late
0: this morning, if you're unable to catch either of those interviews today. It was freezing when I went out this morning. Like, I, this is the first day. What is? It, are we at the 17th of October? Halloween, two weeks from today, is yeah, that right?
1: 18th of October. Now, yeah.
0: mm-hmm. I, my understanding is this is still somewhat the anomaly. It is not supposed to be this cold from here on out. Yeah, it's going to be 70 on Saturday. It's going to fight its way back into the 70s, but this was the first time that I had to use the automatic starter on the car from the outside, because it was like 34 degrees. It shouldn't be allowed to snow on October 18th.
1: (laughs) You should be able to get a full month into fall. so
0: So Halloween, two weeks from yesterday. Right. Okay. You should be able to get a full week, or excuse me, a full month into fall before it snows. What will be this year's, are you a Halloween guy? Yeah. I, I know that you have children, but I mean, like, do you personally do, like, well this year for Halloween? I, I've worn a uh,
1: bacon costume in years past. Okay. Kevin Bacon.
0: Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. And nice. I do love bacon. You know, actually, this morning I could have used those seven degrees. Um, the, I, I don't really understand the whole adult Halloween thing. I, 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 I know that makes me weird. However... Halloween to me to me Halloween is a kids holiday. I not to be the stick in the mud. But when you were a kid, your best Halloween costume or your favorite Halloween costume was what? The Mask, Jim Carrey. Okay. And this year you expect the three most popular Halloween costumes to be what? No, oh, for adults. Steve, for adults.
1: Steve Bartman for the 37th year in a row. Um <laughs> for adults. Uh that's a good question. I don't what was like the show of the year? The past See, year,
0: I I have a bad feeling that there are going to be a lot of Jeffrey Dahmers because that show's out right now, and it's like boy, a good re- luck eating that candy. It's a <laughs> oh boy, it's a ridiculously easy outfit to do. You know, it maybe a wig and a pair of late eighties glasses, and you're good to go. A pair of Frank Wright glasses, quite frankly. Um, but I was curious, like what other pop culture people are fun enough or trendy enough or what i mean like last year maybe two years ago i would assume was was like fauci a big one two years ago i would
1: assume the current or the most recent president will get a lot of
0: dress up correct or the
1: probably par for the course really
0: yeah i was gonna say political figures in general right
1: um there's been one member of the Colts defense that I would say has been a ghost in recent weeks, and I think he should be benched, and that would be Brandon Faison. Nice segue. Um, Jake, it's time for Isaiah Rogers full-time. I, I I don't understand. Well,
0: Isaiah Rogers answers every time you ring the doorbell, right?
1: Yes, and oftentimes is handing out king-size candy bars if you want to continue that analogy. Jake, the issue with me with Faison right now is it's not just in coverage. It's not just in run defense. It's not just with penalties. He's checking all three of those boxes. He's making mistakes in all three of those areas. And, like, I think we saw it on Sunday. This was a really weird play on Sunday. But Kiki Kuti was trying to field the punt. And I don't know if he lost it in the window or what. But he muffs it. And the ball is now kind of bouncing around. And, boom, Isaiah Rogers just picks it up off a difficult hop, and all of a sudden he's returning it and returning it very well to the other side of the field, and the Colts get like a nice little jolt at a time where they were losing that they really needed some sort of spark. I think Isaiah Rodgers is one of the most instinctual players the Colts have, and for a defense right now that I think has struggled in the area of finding the football and trying to create more turnover type of plays – it should be Isaiah Rodgers with Stephon Gilmore and Kenny Moore in the nickel package full-time. He's starting to play more than face-on. It's not enough. Uh, it was a you know, right around 50-50, a little bit more than that for Rodgers on Sunday. Face-on needs to be benched.
0: You know, you have played roulette, right, like at a casino? Yes. So you walk up at the roulette wheel, and you look up, and you see all the numbers that have hit lately, and you're like, I, I, I can't put my money there because it just hit. In reality, the odds are the same every single spin, regardless of precedent or the previous spins. But let's just say for the sake of argument that you, Kevin, walk up to a roulette table and you're like, I'm going to put all of my my chips on black here. And black hits. And you're like, awesome. I'm going to try that again. And you go three in a row. Then you start to psych yourself out, and then it hits red twice in a row, and so you're like, it's never going to, to black again. It becomes very mental. It feels to me like defensive back play in the NFL more than any other position is like that. It's You you ride a hot streak because guys, with exception of people that are unbelievably talented, Charles Woodson, you know, Champ Bailey, guys that that are Hall of Fame longevity players – I'm not saying that for players themselves it's always psychological, but when you're evaluating who to put there, it feels psychological of this guy's the hot hand. It feels like a position that you ride the hot hand and go with who is most in a mental groove more than any other position where you kind of jockey guys in and out. And I think that from a player's standpoint, there is the possibility from a defensive back that it can be the most mental position in the National Football League.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think you saw Rocky Asin battle that early in his career here um, in particular. And again, I just think right now with Faison, it's not just one thing. It's not just him having issues in coverage or having issues with penalties. It is all three facets of playing the run, playing the pass, and staying away from penalties. Um, He's playing, I think largely due to with Gus Bradley, the defensive coordinator, and Ron Miles, the DB coach, having history with him. Uh, They have been in two prior stops with him. I think they like him. He's a little bit of a longer corner. But honestly, similar to offensive line, you go back to training camp and you think about position battles. This is one I was watching. Who would be your third corner, Faison or Rodgers? I never thought Rodgers got a fair shot at Grand Park. Just like with the offensive line and they kind of handed Matt Pryor and handed Danny Pinter the starting jobs there. I didn't think Rodgers early on in camp because he did get hurt a l- l- little bit later in camp. I did not feel like he got a fair shot. Um, it was weird, wasn't it? I I mean, literally, strong people- safety was the only true position battle. Nick Cross and Rodney McLeod, the only true one. I felt like really developed during camp.
0: How many markets in the NFL are there where people were calling in during training camp, calling for a particular defensive back to get on the field more? <laughs> And yet Isaiah Rogers was that guy because he's got good size. He just seems to have good range and instinct. I, he's made plays, Kevin, quite frankly, each time that he's been called upon. And, Jake, I would argue his
1: greatest strength is probably the Colts secondary's biggest weakness right now. They're like 28th in passes broken up this year. They're not getting their hands on enough balls. I feel like Isaiah Rodgers has a knack for just making plays and, in the air. It's not perfect with him, but I think it's time for him to get a full role at that
0: and have Brandon Face on see the bench for a bit. 239 1070 telephone number. Gino, what's up? Good morning to you. Uh,
4: good morning, fellas. How are you guys doing? All right. Good. Hey, quick, I'm just curious, and maybe I'm critical. I'm not in the league, so who cares what I think, but I totally understand where you guys are coming from from Face on standpoint and his lack of play recently. Um, and and tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like Kenny Moore has not performed well, not necessarily the full season, but these last couple of weeks in particular, where we need our, one of our defensive leaders to step up and make a play. But And, and, and I'm curious on your guys' position, because maybe I'm just overlooking the position, and I know he is kind of that 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 nickel corner so to say so he's not really playing you know up by the ball that often but i just feel like he's just not making the plays like we're used to seeing from him
1: no i think it's very accurate um is it gene or gino gino i I, I can't even gino um yeah i I think that's very accurate you know he had the ball was it in denver where he knocked away a potential touchdown that's maybe the only play i've noticed from him in coverage i've noticed him you know, at the line of scrimmage, making a couple other plays. Uh, but I think Kenny would be I, – I think he would tell you that he really needed that play in the Denver game and that he has not played to the level that um, he would like to. And honestly, Jake, he gets more scrutinized for that because of a little bit of a public contract contract dispute back in the spring.
0: Well, he kind of put himself in that position, didn't he? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he set himself up for some scrutiny, and I know he's been a popular guy around town – and he's been good with, you know, we were at training camp, for example, and he's over and he's talking to the guys from the Indy 11, and, y- you know, he's been been a good ambassador, quite frankly. But when you go that public with your contract stuff, Kevin, you, you got to back it up. And he, he put that microscope on himself. Now, did he also, and you would know this better than I probably, Kevin, but it seems like or is it possible that defenses or excuse me other teams offenses kind of started you know once he was under that that lens they they became a little more aware of him and actually targeted him more than previously and therefore i'm not going to say exposed but that water started to find its level a little bit does that make sense
1: yeah i i guess i've never really thought about it like that i i I just think his play on tape would indicate, and it probably started with your guy, Hunter Renfro, in that Raiders game last year, and then spilled into the season finale, and then early this year, I mean, the first what first third down of the Kansas City game, he gets torched by Juju Smith-Schuster, and Mahomes just misses him on that deep ball. That was one that he got away with. Um, It's a tough assignment when you're in there playing the slot. You can get exposed a lot, and it's a lot of man-on-man situations, but um, that's part of what you know, comes with the job responsibilities at that position.
0: I I like how every player that played at Clemson's my guy. Yeah, that does probably qualify, right? Jake, your guy, Refrigerator Perry.
1: Was he a Clemson guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm just glad your Clemson guy, Mike Williams, didn't go off last night, and I was able to secure my fantasy football win.
0: I told you going into last night, in fantasy football last night, Kevin and I head-to-head— Although your kicker did pretty well. And I said he did, but I said I was like 24 points down, and I had Mike Williams and the Broncos kicker going into the game. And you said, well, I mean, come on. And I said, listen, Mike Williams is feast or famine. He is 12 catches for 185 and two touchdowns or one catch for 10 yards. And last night was one catch for 10 yards. And as a result of that, you defeated me 114 to 89. I was 15 points away. I really thought – Last night they had a, you know, whatever you want to call it, like an enticement bonus or whatever to put a wager down that Justin Herbert would have an any time touchdown. One touchdown pass, that's all you needed. And at one point in the game, the Chargers got the ball on like their own 15, and I thought, and I was, at that point I was behind, I think, 12 points to you, and I thought, here we go. Justin Herbert's going to get his touchdown pass. You were locked
1: in on this. I was dead asleep with a
0: 60 yarder to Mike Williams, and that's going to put me over the top in beating you and get me that touchdown that I need. And instead, Justin Herbert, just the second quarterback in NFL history to throw more than 55 passes in a game without a touchdown. If the playoffs started today. They just built another tower in Las Vegas. If the playoffs
1: started today, the Colts would be the final wildcard team. A trip to Arrowhead in round one. Take on Kansas City. Really? Is it Buffalo and then a big drop-off to everybody else, or is it still Buffalo and Kansas City and then a big drop-off?
0: Kansas City's 3-3. Three and three. I mean, at some point, don't you say? 4-2. and two. What's that? 4-2 and two for the Chiefs. Are you sure? Yeah. Losses to Indy and Buffalo. I thought I saw... I thought when I was watching the game, it said underneath it that they were three and two going into that game. Both four and one, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, that would make that that sounds right. Entering that one. But e- either way, um, no, Kansas City's three and three. I'm uh, seeing four and two, two right here. I'm looking at it, Scotty's sheet. Did Scotty have it wrong? Did Scotty? scotty on vacation again oh, you can
1: blame the internet for that <laughs> four and two chiefs okay wins over the cardinals chargers
0: bucks and raiders i mean clearly kansas city especially in there i mean it's and i know that there are colts fans that are you know but well the colts went last year to buffalo and, and dominated them i i it's different than going in January, and the level that Josh Allen's playing, my concern for Buffalo would be simply, Kevin, you've got Josh Allen out there hurtling over people. I mean, that's that's wonderful, and it makes for great highlights, and, it's, and his teammates love it, but he's putting himself in position, is he not? Yeah, I, I mean, there's
1: a bit of an Andrew Luck element to his game. I think he's much more of a runner than Luck, but there is an element of, like, that's what makes him. So unique and so great, but I am sitting there watching him,
0: thinking, "Gosh, isn't he just one hit away?" Yes,
1: and he puts himself obviously
0: well in those situations. Listen, more when, than he's, a whole when he's when he's leaping that high in the air to hurdle somebody, quite and coming down on one leg, my thought was, "Is he jeopardizing his knees here?"
1: Well, like you saw, they showed the highlight last night of Russell Wilson when he injured his shoulder against the Raiders. It was an extension to try and get a first down near the sideline. You know, kind of sticking the ball out to try and get across the line to gain you see that from you know a decent amount of ball carriers each week but Josh Allen's a guy that again puts himself in more and more of those situations Um, so last night it was 19-16 the Chargers win in overtime Alec Pierce going to join us in a little over an hour and uh, Rick Carlisle in about 10 or 15 minutes I've never chatted with Rick really Uh, I guess not an interview session
0: like this you know what I'd like to know? Rick Carlisle, it is reported and reputed that he is like best friends with Bruce Hornsby. I'd like to know how close of friends they are. Do you think they're best friends or do you think they're acquaintances? Do they hang out together? Like does Rick Carl like when Bruce Hornsby was here in concert, did he go to did he stay at Rick Carlisle's?
1: I, I feel like yeah. I, I feel like Rick I feel like he kind of lives a mysterious life. <laughs> do you want to tell him that? I, and I, I don't mean that in a negative way. I think I've said this to you before, Jake. I love his press conference settings because I feel like he always gives a answer that is not coaching cliche one hundred and one.
0: If we played for him the sound clip that we use of him saying, "Well, it uh, it was fun while well, it lasted." Do you think he would know what player that's from?
1: <laughs> I think he has one of those brains that knows everything.
0: You think so? Should we, ta-
1: if we challenged him, do you think he'd be down for that? Now that is in reference to Tristan Thompson. Correct. Which I guess would be similar to maybe like some of Tristan Thompson's parental history. With some that is children.
0: correct. Tr- uh, Tristan Thompson treated the Pacers basically a lot like his relationships. It was a one-night stand, right? Mm-hmm. He had one big night and but, then— But effective in that one night. <laughs> Again, like right. I said. Got the job done. <laughs> like I said, right? He had one big game here and then was moved on. But I believe they, they gave him credit for being very professional— uh, Throughout his time here, for like the week that he was here, Daryl, what's up on a very chilly Tuesday morning? Where's Daryl? You there, Daryl?
3: Yeah, I'm here. You there?
0: We are. What's going on, man?
3: Oh, you just talking about the Colts DBs? I mean, part of that problem could
4: be that we haven't had Leonard on the field much this year. Take a little pressure off them because he's good at you know putting pressure on the quarterback as well as dropping back in pass coverage and kind of getting his hands in the way. Uh, We may be missing him a little bit more than uh, we'd like to think.
1: Well, Darrell, I think that's even more of a reason to put Isaiah Rogers out there is because you are. I I think it's a good point that you bring up in that you don't have a guy out there that typically creates some of those chances, some of those opportunities. Jake, I, I can't even recall, like, I think the Colts have picked off three balls this year, which is... Below average, I I can't even recall like many drop picks or like you know, near misses. You know, Trevor Lawrence on Sunday was 20 of 22, Ryan Tannehill a few weeks ago was 17 of 21, and that's six incompletions against two quarterbacks that I don't think anyone would consider in the top 10. I, I, and some of it is scheme, certainly, but I think you need to do a better job of. Either chained up scheme, frankly, or finding personnel that kind of seeks out those opportunities, creates those chances for your defense. You get a hand on a ball here, hand on a ball there. Now all of a sudden does that tip, look at the interception you had with Mahomes to end the game, Gilmore gets his hand on it, boom, Roddy McLeod makes the play. Those chances, I feel like, have been uh, missing too much.
0: That would not be Gilmore, Kevin. That would be Mr. Gilmore. Our audio's
1: down today, so unfortunately,
0: we cannot cue this one for Mr. Gilmore. There was that—that was my best impersonation. How'd I do? That
1: was—I would. You had like three or four I's and L's there. I would stress it a little bit more than that.
0: This one for Mr. Gilmore. Is that better? Jim Irsay in New York today, correct? Is he in New York?
1: NFL owners meetings today in New York. We'll see if anything. Did he take the Kerouac scroll with him? Daniel Snyder um, comes out of those meetings there. Speaking of that, again, if you missed it earlier, Carson Wentz, surgery on his right ring finger. So that would be his throwing hand. NFL Network is reporting he will miss four to six weeks. Basically the 70% threshold for playing time, uh, which would give the Colts a second round pick from Washington versus a third rounder. Uh, that's going to be right in like the middle of that time frame.
0: Is Daniel Snyder the Carson Wentz of owners, in the fact that? Ooh, that's harsh to put Carson Wentz in that light. Let me, let me. I, I agree, but here's the thing about Carson Wentz: like people don't like Carson Wentz, but they can't exactly say why. Like I don't know, he just has this vibe about him. Isn't that kind of the same with Daniel Snyder? Well, I mean, to be fair that Carson Wentz, Daniel Snyder, has been accused for
1: sexual harassment. Well, his,
0: his, his company has. has. Has he personally?
1: Organization. I, I get it. I mean... I think there's been a lot more public, like, I don't want anything to do with that man. Yeah, th- that's and fair. I, and I, I, don't, I don't
0: think we can put Yeah, Carson I don't think Carson Wentz is a bad guy at all. There's no. just... For whatever reason, there's just something about Carson Wentz. Russell Wilson is starting to feel like he enters that same te- territory. Of, like, there's just something about him that puts off a vibe that, that you're just kind of people tire of you know are we seeing that in Denver I realize Russell Wilson is not 100% healthy but it just feels like he has this vibe this kind of arrogance about him that people are just kind of over and Denver's thinking to themselves like big time buyers worse.
1: yeah I mean isn't Nathaniel Hackett gonna make it a Halloween
0: <laughs> now that sounds like it'd be a good Halloween outfit just a Hackett guy right like 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 what a stranger are you things character? Yeah, just Hackett. That's a gr- that's a great name. Nathaniel Hackett is actually a great name for a horror movie character, is it not? Didn't we all read Hatchet back in the day? Yeah, I mean it's kind of the same thing, right?
1: Uh, John says let's give Grover Stewart some love. Uh, that dude displayed his backside off. I would agree. Grover has played pretty well. Um, I do think we should note the run defense has been a little leaky. I don't think it's because of Grover lately, but that is something that needs to be cleaned up before Sunday because Derrick Henry. Coming off a of bye week, you know Tennessee wants to use him, very similar to how they used him back a few weeks ago at Lucas Oil Stadium when he was over 100 yards against the Colts. Again, Rick Carlisle going to join us in about five minutes. Let's hit a morning checkdown.
3: The morning checkdown. Omaha! 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 Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5 The fan.
0: Uh, Major League Baseball yesterday, a delay because of Mother Nature. That's because the Guardians, or what I mean is the Guardians and Yankees were rained out. As a result, they will play today. 4.07 p.m. Winner goes on to the ALCS to take on the Houston Astros. Obviously, in the National League, it is the San Diego Padres and Philadelphia Phillies that wait to see who they would take on in the World Series. Whoosh, Last night
1: in Monday Night Football, the Chargers win in overtime over the Broncos 19-16. Montrell, Washington, Denver punt returner coughs one up about five minutes ago in overtime. That put the Chargers in field goal range. And Dustin Hopkins, the Chargers kicker, was hobbling around all night long. He was able to boot one home from 39 for the game winner. Four for four on field goals for him. Did I see Denver at over 150 penalty yards?
0: Did they really? That's impressive, really.
1: They had one rookie. I think had three defensive pass interference penalties in the first half. I'm like, oh, Bernard Ryman knows that feeling.
0: <laughs> you think Bernard Ryman was watching the game thinking to himself, I am vindicated.
1: I'll be back. <laughs> uh,
0: AP college basketball top 25.
1: by the way, and penalties.
0: Really? That's pretty serious. The number one team in the land in college basketball is Kevin Bowen? Uh, the Tar Heels. The Tar Heels of North Carolina, followed by Gonzaga, Houston, Kentucky. And then a tie for fifth between Baylor and Kansas. Rock Chalk, Jayhawk. Duke, UCLA, Creighton, Arkansas, and uh, or and Arkansas round up the top ten. Indiana checking in at 13th. It is Michigan at 22nd. Illinois at 23rd. That is all of the Big Ten representation in the preseason top 25 in college basketball. Purdue is fifth in receiving votes conveniently between Miami and St. Louis. Uh, it's
1: boy. basketball season in South Graphically Geographically then. as well. Basketball season in South Bend, Notre Dame got one vote. They did. the preseason poll. Michigan State, Ohio so did Toledo. State, Iowa, and Rutgers also
0: got some votes out of the Big Ten.
1: Rick Carlisle joins us next here. Kevin and Corey.
0: Halfway through the show here, the flags crossed and unfurled as we zip by, meaning that the race is half over for us on this Tuesday morning, race getting just underway for the Indiana Pacers who begin the season tomorrow night against the Washington Wizards at Cambridge Fieldhouse, joining us on the program for the first time on the Payless Lakers Hotline. He is the head coach of the Indiana Pacers, and he is Rick Carlisle. Coach, good morning to you, and thanks for joining us this morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Uh, we are bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Um, I, you know, I'm curious from a coaching standpoint, you've been at this a long time, both as a player and a coach, how does it feel? Is it like the first day of school when you're a kid? Do you not really know what you're getting into? Is there an extra energy? What is the thought process, or just the feeling when you embark on a new season?
4: Yeah, it's every year's a a new feeling. Um, you know, with our, with our team in particular, with all the youth, it's going to feel that way for sure. Um, you know, there's a there's a level of of uncertainty with exactly what you have, you know, and exactly how it's all going to go. But that's one of the beauties of professional sport. You know, I think that's the compelling aspect of it for our fans. Um, People that have followed us in preseason, I think have seen a team with a, with an amazing amount of promise, um, you know, for the future and, and, Developmental upside, which is uh, which is exciting. Um, admittedly, we'll be an underdog on a lot of nights, including opening night. I think if you look at point spreads and stuff like that, but these are exciting challenges. Um, we got a good guy, really good guys, top to bottom, and uh, just really looking forward to it. You know, it's um, it's going to be it's going to be a, a, a long you know, process of, of developing a young team with some really good veterans mixed in. But, uh, you know, it's there, there, there appears to be, um, an energy and excitement about this team that there hasn't been, uh, in a while in this town. And that's cool.
1: Coach, you just pointed to it there, uh, Wednesday night, and again, the opener with the wizards, you are an underdog. Um, I believe you've said in the past you've taken a look at the Vegas over-under for your win total this season. I'm curious what your thoughts were when you saw a number of 23-and-a-half, I believe, pegged for uh, your basketball team.
4: Yeah, not not shocked, you know, because of all the new guys and, um, you know, the fact that the Eastern Conference is pretty stacked, you know, and if you look at the West now with, you know, some guys coming back from injury and, you know, some moves being made, et cetera. And some of the younger teams getting a little more veteran, you know, it's going to be a beast out there too, you know, so, um, but that's okay. That's a, I I think it's, it's something you look at and okay. Got to be realistic about kind of what the expectations are on the one hand. The other hand, it's, it's pretty motivating. I mean, you got, you know, on on virtually any night when you go out there, you got a chance to upset somebody, you know, and that's that's something that uh, I get excited about.
0: You know, the franchise seems to me, Coach, a little bit like the arena that you're playing in. And by that I mean there has been a massive renovation to Gambridge Fieldhouse and it went in phases. Phase one was like the lower level and then phase two, you know, and then phase three the exterior, etc. In terms of the retool of this franchise, and I don't think anybody has denied that that's what this is, is a reset and retool of your roster, your trajectory, et cetera. Are we in phase one still, or are you transitioning into phase two, which is we feel pretty good about the guys we have. Now we've got to see what combinations work, or are there still pieces that need to be added for another year?
4: Well, you know, there, there are pieces that need to be added. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And, and in terms of whether it's phase one or phase two, you know, I, you know, I mean, look, there may be four or five phases to this. You know, it's hard to say exactly. Um, and you know, I think we've all seen, um, you know, franchise resets or rebuilds happen a lot quicker than expected, too. You know, so. Um, We'll have to see for sure, you know, but Halliburton is a great young player. Um, You know, Turner is elite defensively at what he does. Heald is elite offensively at what his specialty is, which is, you know, which is shooting the three and he's just, you know, he's really just a knockdown shooter. And McConnell is a really unusually, gifted player at what he does, which is, you know, he just, he's just unconventional. Um, But he, he brings an intensity and, you know, an energy to the game and he just, he makes things happen. And he's, you know, I I think if you look at our training camp, if you were in here every day, you know, if you're Tyrese Halliburton. You're looking forward to getting into the season, not having to play against McConnell every day. I mean, it's it's really it's really a beast because the guy he just brings such a competitive, you know, thing to the to the practice every day. So, um, and then our young guys, you know, um, Isaiah Jackson and Duarte have both gotten significantly better. You know, we feel we feel Matherin has got a chance to be. Special player in this league, um, you know. Nemhard was a really good pick at 31. Kendall Brown at 48 was was a steal. Um, and I think you know, I think a guy like Nee Smith has got a really unique opportunity here. You know, he's been sitting in Boston for two years, where they've been pretty veteran. You know, they've been younger, but their their younger guys are more veteran than him, so he hasn't had a lot of chances. So. Uh, you know, he played real well in that first game at Charlotte and he got dinged up a little bit in New York so you know we're trying to see if he's going to be available for Wednesday um, and you know Jalen Smith is a guy that gets me excited and gets I think should get our fans excited I mean here's a guy that had a lot of other options and chose to be in Indiana and chose to do it for probably a few less dollars than he could have gotten elsewhere so you know this this is all part of The challenge for us is, uh, you know, putting together a a group of talented young guys that have a chance to get better and better, that are excited about being here, you know. And so that's, that's, you know, that's where we want to be. That's kind of where we feel we are, and we want to move forward from here.
0: Let me present a scenario for you, Coach Rick Carlisle is our guest on the Pale Slickers Hotline. It's midway through the season. And you've got a group of players on the floor, and you like the way they're playing together. They're in a close game. You're midway through the third, heading into the fourth quarter. And you know that you probably have the guys on your bench, your starters or whatever it may be, that give you the best chance to win that game. But you have a a group of players on the floor that you still feel like and the organization still feels like you've got to see how they handle that situation together as part of the process of moving forward to see what all you have in totality with your team. So in the short term of that game, it may cost you that particular game, but in the long term, it helps you in the vision of who you are. Hoping that that scenario makes sense that I'm presenting, which way do you go with it? Which is the priority?
4: Yeah, I mean, this kind of question is not unexpected from this show, number one. <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks.
1: Um, i take that as a compliment i was gonna say is that a compliment i don't know
4: (laughs) and i and i figured you would take it as a compliment that's okay and that's good that's good um look i know where you're going with this um and you know the the answer is whatever whatever is the right thing at that time and you know i i you know i can't I can't take a question like this and give you an absolute answer. You know, I mean, what's, what's happened in the last five games, you know, where are we? Who's, who's banged up? Who's healthy? You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of things that go into that, but look, I, I have said that, you know, I, I am in this to help develop this young group of guys. Um, and the reset of this roster was really important because you know, it was a roster before. I mean, there was a lot of polarizing conversation about Domas and Miles, whether these guys could play together, whether they should play together, you know, whether people believed it was a good idea, that, that it was even being attempted or not. And, you know, and part of the irony of that whole thing was that those two guys together were one of our best lineups last year. I mean, it was a plus lineup and everything else. And then, you know, Miles got banged up, and then things kind of went, you know, south with the season even more than than it had been going, because we had, had other guys that were banged up too, and this, that, and the other. And then all of a sudden, we have the opportunity to trade for Halliburton and and really reshape the team. And I and I really thought Kevin and Chad and Kelly and Ted did a did a great job of you know, turning this from a team that, that didn't have much of a future to a team that, that does have a future. And now, you know, it's the job of me and the the rest of my coaching staff to, you know, to, to nurture this group along, um, to coach them hard, but with respect and consistency and, uh, try to get, you know, try to bring about daily improvement and, um, you know, we do those kinds of things. You know, your question will be answered the way it's supposed to be answered. at Whatever date of the season. Jake, you didn't give me the date. You know, what was the date of that game? March
0: March 17th.
4: Okay, and who are yeah. we
0: playing? Uh, Washington. Washington, okay. Yeah. I haven't looked at the schedule in front of me, but, but you get what I'm going to. What I'm saying is I think people need to understand, and you tell me if I'm off base here, but I think people need to understand if they come to games this year that – there are going to be nights they're seeing like this dynamic team that you think like wow, they've arrived right now and then there are other nights that you're going to say, well wait a minute, they look great two nights ago not tonight, but it's all part of a work in process towards a longer vision of just the immediacy. Does that make sense?
4: Yeah, I listen, I mean, I guess I give Indiana basketball fans more credit than you do. I think people just kind of inherently understand that to begin with. So I don't I don't know that that question even needs to be asked, but I appreciate you asking it. But uh, I, think, I think our fans are there, you know, and I, I guess the, what I've gotten from kind of the pulse of the city and so on and so forth is that, you know, people are excited about youth. They're excited about a team that, you know, is not going to be last in dunks, you know, in mid-January like we were last year. Um, you know, when things, when we made the trade and, uh, started playing Isaiah and started playing some of our younger guys, you know, we went from last in dunks, you know, I don't know where we ended up, but we were out of last, you know, and, you know, this year, you know, with, uh, you know, with, uh, with Jalen Smith back and with, and with Isaiah and with, you know, Matherin and, um, Neesmith and, and. Duarte and, and some of these young athletes, um, you know, it's going to be a fun team to watch. And, and there will be times when, you know, if fans are are, are only fixated on winning a, a particular game on a given night, um, they, may be, they may be a bit frustrated. But, um, you know, as, as the leader of this thing, you know, in terms of, you know, on the court, et cetera, you know, I've got a, have got to have a, a, a good pulse on, you know, what's right and what's wrong on a night to night basis.
1: He's Rick Carlisle. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline, less than 36 hours away from the Pacers getting their season underway. And Coach, Jake told me you've maybe caught a snippet or two of this show. And if you have
0: three minutes at a time. Okay, three
1: minutes. Okay, in those 180 seconds, um, hopefully you've uh, heard my (laughs) love, uh, maybe borderline obsession for Benedict Matherin. You said something, I I think it was last week, that I found really interesting that you believe Matherin's game at this level, basically he's better suited for more of the NBA game than the collegiate game. Uh, Could you expand on that?
4: Yeah, you know, uh, an athlete like him, is in most cases, you know, I mean, this is assuming that his skill level is, you know, NBA skill level and things like that. You know, the NBA game is more of a five out spread offense. You know, the defense is spread out college still has, you know, no, no zone, no, no rules, um, you know, against zone defense. Um, and so I just think the space of the game, the pace of the game, uh, for an athlete like him, um, is going to be something that he's going to do well with. Um, so, yeah. And look, he's he's been terrific. I, you know, on day one, he said to me, "Coach, I just want you to know you can coach me hard. I want to I want to be coached hard. I, I, I you know I I can handle the truth." I want to get better, and he's come to me on three or four occasions, uh, including that first time. Usually about a month to a month and a half apart, and he reiterates the same thing. And uh, you know, if you're if you're a coach in this league and a guy with that kind of you know youth and talent, I mean, it gets you even more excited.
1: I know wins and losses are not the end-all be-all by any means this season and playoff success. It's probably another couple of years away from being super, super relevant with where you're at as a franchise. But do you feel like, and I don't know, maybe it's a ludicrous question, do you feel like you have anything to prove to yourself, to anybody else, Um, in terms of playoff success here as you kind of reach this, I don't know if this is the final stop in your coaching career, but playoff success has not been there at the level for your teams over the past decade, as it was earlier in your career, do you feel like there's anything left to prove in that area?
4: Oh yeah, absolutely. If you if you're in this business and you don't feel like you have something to prove every day, then you should not be in this business. You know that's the way I feel about it. And uh, <clears throat> as long as I've been in it, um, I'm still very much an active learner. And the reason I hired the staff that I hired. You know, a bunch of uh, younger, really talented coaches. You know, Lloyd Pierce, Ron Norad, Mike Weiner, Jenny Busick. I mean, every day our meetings are are a think tank. I mean, we're we're talking about things that are um, the basics that you know would would be consistent going back you know decades and. You know, and, and things on the cutting edge, and balancing—you know—figuring f- out what the right balance is between the two. But you know, you've got to. This is just my. This is just my feeling. You've got to. You've got to come in every day uh, feeling like you've got something to prove, whether you're coaching, whether you're playing, you know, whether you're part of the training staff, whatever. Um, and if you're not, you're going to get left behind.
0: Did you? Was there a particular time, coach, when? you guys kind of all sat down and said, you know what, let's, let's retool this thing. Did it kind of morph over the course of time or was there a definitive moment or you know, game or whatever it might be? And did you have to be sold on it uh, of the way that you're, the, the things are going now?
4: Uh, no, no, I didn't have to be sold on it. I mean, it, it was in December last year at some point. Um, I don't remember exactly when it was. It was probably more you know toward the second half of the month um, you know it just was it was a struggle it was uh, it just wasn't working and it wasn't you know it was a little bit about the injuries but you know it was it was a bigger there was a a, a bigger sort of outlook than that that, that really triggered it and it's just and then from there you know, it was just a matter of, okay, what, what is the right thing to do? When will whatever the opportunity is present itself? And so, you know, a lot of it obviously ended up being the trade with Sacramento. And then, you know, in conjunction with that, it was, I don't know if it was the same day or maybe it was a day later or something, we made the, the trade to move uh, Tory Craig back to Phoenix for Jalen Smith and then you know things just started started retooling from there but there was no doubt that that was um the right path for this franchise to take
0: how close in your inner circle is Bruce Hornsby because I like Bruce Hornsby a great deal and I've always heard that you guys are like best friends and then I didn't know if that's you know, embellished a little bit in your acquaintances. You're from the same area. I know you're, like, from New York and Maine, and you played in Virginia, and he's from Virginia. Like, how tight are you – like, how often do you talk to Bruce Hornsby?
4: Well, we stay in touch pretty frequently, and uh, he's a very close friend. Um, His son, Keith, played at UNC Asheville and then transferred to LSU. Yeah, he was a good player. And then then, uh, when he came out of LSU – um, he was a little banged up from some of the postseason tournament stuff, and so um, you know I spent some time with him, you know, trying to help him get ready for whatever camp opportunities he was going to have. And it ended up he ca- he came into camp with us in Dallas and um, did a really good job. Actually, won a won a preseason game for us, and then uh, he played in the G League for a couple of years, and then is, he had a very successful run in Europe. So. But I you know I've Bruce actually texted me yesterday um, just with kind of a good luck this season message and which I appreciated and uh, but we we stay we stay pretty closely in touch um, you know obviously we have similar musical interests you know he's been a a big um, you know big influence musically on me I mean I've you know I'm a novice piano player which some people know and whatever but uh his music is um has been a big part of of that for me and uh so yeah
0: are you are you a deadhead?
4: That's kind of it. oh I love the dead, yeah.
0: <laughs> what about fish? You like fish?
4: I I have listened to some fish, yes. And uh you know, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm an admirer of of their music and what they do. They're they're very very good and uh I've listened to enough of it to gain an appreciation for and, and an understanding for how, what they do is, is different than what the dead used to do. And now dead and company is out there and uh, you know, I've I've been to some of their stuff and, and uh, <clears throat> you know, I knew I got to know those guys because Bill Walton was a close friend because he and I played together in Boston and I ended up going to 20 or 25 shows um, back back in the '80s, and uh, when Jerry was still around, and, and and stuff like that, and now Dead and Company, you know, with with John Mayer playing with them, I mean, they are they're phenomenal, you know. So um, they've they've kept it going.
1: Well, Coach, given those musical interests, we greatly appreciate you finding time, uh, just a couple of minutes each morning to tune in when you get a chance.
0: Three minute increments, Coach. Uh, we
1: are 22nd ranked <laughs> in the mid market rankings. <laughs> uh, we are, are win our over under and wins is pretty low uh any advice for us you think to Great try question. and rise up those rankings here as we close things out what rankings are these well these are the mid-market rankings so you yeah. know uh so, you know to like an oklahoma city maybe or san antonio think you know kind of mid-market um uh, cities around the u.s uh we're 22nd out of 20 is it 27 or 28 28 yeah. 28 yeah. shows in- in size or what? Uh, what yeah, saying? I believe in in, in Effectiveness. Yeah, <laughs> educating and entertaining. Uh, well, so first, we we're hoping for a little all, advice.
4: First of all, I don't know that I'd be advertising it on your own show. <laughs> that's that's right. one thing. I, that's one thing I may caution you about. Um, no, I don't know. I, you know, I, it's it's really interesting. You know, coming here and being in my second year now, and um. You know the, you know following the Colts again, um, and listening to all the, all you know whatever show, whatever the shows happens to be on after, you know uh, the, the Colts have had a rough game or something. Man, it's just like the world is coming to an end, and I just, I just want to say that you know i I've, I've been watching all the games. I, I'm just a really big fan of what Frank Reich is doing um, right now with this team. I, you know, I see the challenges that they have. And I tell you that that game two days ago was, was something else. You talk about intense and they are just, they're finding a way to do it on grit and guts. I mean, doing it without Jonathan Taylor the other day and a couple of their receivers. I mean, that was, that was phenomenal. So I'm, I'm following them closely and uh so I just want to throw that out there. Sorry, thanks.
0: Oh, I appreciate uh, you tuning in. Jerry and- says clearly Rick is not a fan of yours. He didn't seem too thrilled with the questions. Come on, uh, come on now.
4: I love the questions. I mean, look, the questions are they're a little they're a little different, but that's good. That's good. I I've, I'm I'm all for
1: being challenged in new ways.
0: <laughs> so are we that's why we're trying to move yeah, out of 22nd
1: exactly coach um i've got 30-ish wins pegged for you this season i know it's going to be a year of growth and uh looking forward to it it's hope it's a new era i think it's excitement and a lot of curiosity and it's a great thing to have for the pacers fan base appreciate the time this morning and a good luck tomorrow night
4: okay thanks guys
1: be well rick carlisle right there on the payless liquors hotline we are way over we'll talk to you in a few minutes
0: Thank you to Rick Carlisle for his time this morning. The one thing I found interesting about that... That'll be up on the podcast, by the way. Um, it, you know, the the Pacers themselves have basically made the point... I'm not going to say that they've overtly asked, but they basically have, have made it clear media-wise, like, hey, listen, uh, people need to understand what's in play here. Like, this is a long-term project. So... It wasn't an issue by any stretch, but I, I, I was a little surprised that that would seem to be an odd question when I basically was asking the question to present to them the opportunity to speak to fans what they've spoken to us in terms of just for people to have that patience of understanding. Maybe I did sell short the basketball intellect of Indiana, I don't know. I I don't know that people necessarily have um, fully dove in yet to what the Pacers are doing. I think for a lot of people outside of our bubble, this is the first time the Pacers have been on their radar just yet because the season's just getting underway.
1: I think what I've talked with listeners, Jake, about the Pacers, once we get through the usual Benedict Matherin minute or two, uh, me sharing my infatuation – I then get to the, you know what else I think will be the most fascinating thing to watch about the Pacers this season? Your four highest paid guys. How many of them will be here next year? And the dilemma of who do you look to for minutes based off the vets or the rookies? And that's basically what you ask Carlisle of, do you play Daniel Tice or do you play Isaiah Jackson? Daniels Tice has started over 20 playoff games, Jake. He's got a resume that would indicate he could give you some quality minutes. Right. Do you play him or Isaiah Jackson? Do you play Buddy Heald or Benedict Matherin? Do you play TJ McConnell or Andrew Nemhart? You know, Turner and insert him with Isaiah Jackson or Tice with Goga. Like, that to me, I th- and that's, again, basically what you asked and I don't know if he thought that was teetering too much on like a tank comment, but the Pacers have basically said, without saying the T-word, that they are rebuilding, retooling, whatever the politically correct answer is for the organization. And I'm totally fine with it, and I think it's smart they've been up front with that. But that, to me, is something I'll be watching all year long. Do you really need to see Turner, Tice, McConnell, and Heald play the most minutes because they're the most expensive guys or if you have questions about them being here long term wouldn't it be wise
0: to play a little bit more of the younger guys well the other thing that comes into play if you are as was stated in the beginning still in need of more pieces then you are better served in that scenario, when the game is on the line, to not have Buddy Healed, Daniel Tice, TJ McConnell, right. and Miles Turner on the floor. And so people need to understand that that vision is there. And, and maybe they do, and I am selling it short. My understanding or my assumption, at no fault of the people who are sports fans in Indianapolis, are just simply unaware at this point that that's the Pacers' vision primarily just simply because they are just now starting to turn that that satellite dish towards the Pacers that has been locked solely on the NFL for 4 months.
1: And I think 98% of Pacers fans appreciate and realize what the organization has done. I don't think anybody was like, you know what? I wanted to see Brogdon for one more year. Boy, I was really hoping they'd try Turner and Sabonis again. No, I I don't think everybody fully accepts. And again, I think a level of appreciation. Some probably wanted it to happen before really this offseason, and it it took full, full picture. Um, But I think fans have a complete understanding of it. Complete understanding. I did think his answer you know about something to prove you know it's kind of wild jake rick carlisle would qualify as a hall of fame coach right yes jake he hasn't got out of the first round in over a decade
0: yeah he didn't hesitate at all in that answer i think there's something to prove there
1: and again i and i preface it with saying i i know it doesn't apply necessarily to this year but you know when you get to 2024 2025 wherever i do think There is something to prove for this coaching staff and for Carlisle. Um, Nate Bjorken got a few more wins in a COVID year out of a very similar roster than Rick Carlisle did last year. And I think it's important for this coaching staff once that time comes. And again, I'm not acting like it's right here right now this season. That, you know, when you're four and whatever they were, four and 18 in games decided by four points or less last season, is some of that talent-based? Certainly. But some of that falls on your coaching staff in those one-possession games, two-possession games, where if you make an extra player here, you draw something up out of a timeout, you counter with something, that could be the difference
0: for you. I was a little bothered by his liking Fish. Do you like Fish?
1: not a huge fish fan i would i won we didn't have enough time i wanted to hear more about the bill walton concerts
0: uh 25 times he saw the dead with bill walton did he say that did i hear that correctly it's kind of a miracle
1: everything's still working for (laughs) rick Carlisle, right (laughs) kudos to him i you know he didn't cave into peer pressure too much i would venture to guess with that
0: you know the by the way is anybody else hearing that weird echo is it just me Oh, gosh, we're we're trying to retain the few listeners. I'm that getting we have an today. echo off of the the metal beam here of the microphone. Um, the The Grateful Dead, I get it, I, and Dead and Company, I, I I totally appreciate and respect that people like the fact that they are musically different and that they do a different show every night, and that you never know from one show to the next what set you're going to get and how they're going to play, and they never do the same the same show twice. The the problem that I have, in, and this is definitely the case with Dave Matthews' band. Are you a Dave Matthews guy, Kevin?
1: They're fine. I'm not like, oh, Friday, Saturday night in July. Here comes Klipsch.
0: Yeah. To me, Dave Matthews, and again, I'm not saying that they aren't good songs. It's just every song to me sounds the exact same. Like literally every song sounds the same to me. And I'm like, oh, that's the one that has like a bunch of music. And then he gets on there and kind of mumbles his way through. That's how it all sounds to me. And I know people throw you down a flight of stairs for Dave Matthews. That's cool.
1: DMB, I think is what they would prefer. You'd refer to them as.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I say G and R, so who am I to say? And I'm sure to a lot of people, every Guns N' Roses song sounds the same. So I, I totally get it. To each their own.
1: If you missed it, Rick Carlisle on the podcast, that'll be up shortly. Alec Pierce going to join us here in about 15 minutes. Um, the Colts rookie with the game-winning score, obviously, on Sunday. Uh, first time we've caught up with him, right? That is, yep. We had Jelani Woods on. We had Bernard Ryman. We had any other rookies? We had Nick Cross's college coach on, Mike Loxley. But I think first time we've caught up with Alec Pierce, we did have Luke Fickle on after the draft, but looking forward to that conversation.
0: Alec Pierce, one of the things that's interesting about him Kevin, and I'll be curious to find out from him how much this has benefited him as a receiver. So many players. Have you noticed this when in your time covering or talking to or being around NFL players? Have you noticed how many NFL players are being paid professionally to play a position that is totally different than the position they grew up with? Or even played through? You know, he was recruited to college as a defensive player. Right, yeah. And, and how much does that... I have always wondered when you hear about that. I, I would imagine that a lot of wide receivers probably at some point played like cornerback or vice versa. I
1: think Michael Pittman was a linebacker at one point. Yeah. You see
0: that and how he plays the game. So how, how much of a guy's success on the field is based or rooted in an understanding of what the opposition is doing because they themselves were once at that position?
1: I think the thing you see with Pierce too, Jake, is you watch him operate and you can tell he comes from a family of athletes. He's smooth. He, it looks comfortable for him out there. There's no panic when the ball's in the air. Um, in the fourth quarter, he delivers. He did in college. I mean, he ripped the hearts out of Indiana Notre Dame fans last fall with fourth quarter plays in both of those road venues. And then he did the exact same thing to Jacksonville on Sunday. Um, and I think that is just some of that has to come from the parents were Division One athletes, both of his brothers, college basketball players. There's just a backyard feel of he's just always been around it in those moments. He's blessed with some very natural athleticism. And at the same time, he just seems like a dude that in backyard sports growing up, he was always the smoothest operator. I just think, you know, one, it was never, like, gangly for Alec Pierce. You know, One
0: aspect of the Colts that we haven't touched on, Kevin, and I don't know that we will know necessarily the answer to this at this point, but how much of an impact, if at all, at this point does Reggie Wayne have as the wide receiver coach? Well,
1: I think he's helped Pierce, I, and that's a question we'll throw towards Alec. But And I mentioned this during yesterday's show, but there was a moment right before that game-winning touchdown on Sunday where Alec Pierce looked over to Reggie Wayne, and Reggie just kind of put his hands up to him like, all right, calm down and Work your press release technique. Work how to break that. Don't think that you're running a 40-yard dash at Lucas Oil Stadium at the NFL Combine in February here. Make sure you beat press, create a little bit of separation, which he did, got behind Shaquille Griffin, and that allowed Matt Ryan to throw. Again, Ryan, the ball that Ryan threw there was so just right on point. It was either Pierce or an incomplete pass. It was absolutely perfect. While taking a hit, I thought it should have been a roughing the passer penalty considering the lower body hit there. Um, but I do think, and Jake, I think you've hit on this before with Reggie. I mean, Reggie is a Hall of Fame talent, and he's not 6'3", 220, and running four three one. 1. Like Reggie Wayne, I don't think would fall, obviously he's extremely athletic, but he would not fall on the freak Canton athlete at the wide receiver position like some other guys in the Hall of Fame. Reggie had to become a technician. Reggie had to be very sound in the mechanics of playing the wide receiver spot. I think that's helpful. Like, Obviously, I'm guessing on this, but I would think it's easier for Reggie Wayne to teach wide receivers how to play wide out than it would be Calvin Johnson having to teach wide receivers how to play wide out. Yeah, like Calvin Johnson was just blessed with some Cor- Randy crazy Moss. gifts. Randy Moss. Yeah, I think Reggie's a Hall of Famer, and I know we often hear like the best players don't become the best coaches, but I think in Reggie's case, he w- didn't. He wasn't born on third base from very an athletic well standpoint, like some other wideouts are.
0: Yeah, it's very well said because if you look at right now,
1: I mean, was he six foot one ninety five and ran four four?
0: Who are the best coaches in the NBA right now? Give me three off the top of your head that have been around a long time that played.
1: Yeah, well, that played, uh, and Spolster didn't play, did he?
0: He did. Did he? Yep. Well, not in the NBA, but he was a player. Uh, Uh, Steve Kerr?
1: Yeah. Doc Rivers?
0: Doc Rivers. Okay, good. We'll go with those three. Larry Bird, it's hard to say how good a coach Larry Bird was because he inherited a team that was right on the precipice of, you know, he was good because he kind of backed away. But I don't know that you would say Larry Bird was like an ingenious coach. You, you know Magic Johnson, Isaiah Thomas, those guys weren't necessarily ingenious coaches. You know Dan Issel was not an ingenious coach because what what just came naturally to them they assumed came naturally to everybody else. To your point, which is an outstanding point, Kevin, Steve Kerr, Eric Spolster, Doc Rivers, those are three guys right there that a great part of their playing career came based on their cerebral nature and work ethic put in to maximize everything out of their ability, and therefore they are preaching work ethic and, and game understanding and intellect versus just be have better hand-eye coordination than everybody else on the floor. Just be instinctive. Yeah. So that's a very good point.
1: Uh, Alec Pierce is going to join us in a little over 10 minutes. We will do the pop quiz to end the show today. Um, I believe, Sam, did I see we're giving away Kevin Hart tickets?
2: Yes, Kevin Hart tickets are being added this week.
1: So that is a pair of Kevin Hart tickets?
2: I'll double check, but yes, I'm pretty sure it is two Kevin Hart tickets.
1: Okay, a pair of Kevin Hart tickets will be given away. That is GameBridge Fieldhouse. Um, I'm seeing, I believe, October 23rd, if that is correct. So that's what, this Sunday? That's correct. Yeah, this Sunday. Uh, Kevin Hart over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Um, So we'll give away a pair of tickets to whoever joins the pop quiz. And again, that will be after Alec Pierce, who is scheduled to join us around 1st First,
0: we've got to get to the warning check down, right? Let's do
3: it. The morning checkdown. Omaha! 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 Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at ballstatesports.com. Omaha!
0: On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Uh, Major League Baseball yesterday, Cleveland and New York. Mother Nature was the winner there. Postponed due to rain. That game will be made up this afternoon at 4 o'clock. Winner advances to the ALCS to take on the Houston Astros. NLCS is set, of course, Philadelphia and the Padres of San Diego.
1: Padres favored in that one?
0: I think they are, right? Cuz the Phillies you know are Johnny saying? come lately.
2: How yeah, the Padres it? are favored, but it's it's just slight, by a bit. Yeah, favorite. very slight. Um so yeah, the so ALCS the
1: will begin on Wednesday. Yes. It's bias. <laughs> no break there for uh the Guardians or the Yankees. Uh my headset is out. Did you do the swoosh?
0: He did. I, I did, I promise. Uh,
1: last night, Monday Night Football, the Chargers outlasted the Broncos 19-16. You had 151 penalty yards for Denver. Justin Herbert threw 57 passes, none of them for a touchdown. Their kicker was hobbled and hurt, but Dustin Hopkins made all four of his attempts, including the game winner in overtime, which came after Montrell Washington muffed the punt with about five minutes to go. We were a we were nearing our second tie of the season. It was looking very close to a tie between the Chargers and the Broncos, despite all the injuries for the Chargers this season. Here they are at four and two, and I don't even feel like they've really showed their A-level game yet.
0: Um, by the way, NBA getting underway tonight. Philly and Boston, seven thirty tonight. The Lakers and the Golden State Warriors is the nightcap at ten
1: tomorrow night will be the pacers and the wizards again our coverage will begin at 6 30 here the spurs in town on friday the pistons in town on saturday i'm looking forward to seeing Jaden Ivey on saturday
0: yeah are you gonna go to the game saturday i think i might detroit's got a lot of young talent they're uh putting together kind of what they made I think like is some win
1: do. now moves along with the kate cunningham Correct. and the jayden et etc
2: if you, like I did, went to any of those Kroger's locations yesterday, oh, yeah. by the way, you were gifted two tickets to one of the games coming up this week.
1: Nice. Nice.
2: Um, it was great. TJ McConnell probably thinks I'm a very weird person, not on purpose. Oh, wow. Tell uh, us more. I, I wasn't sure the process for getting to actually meet the players, and I don't like to be the person who assumes that I'm just getting a photo with somebody. But TJ McConnell was just kind of standing there, not doing anything. So I just walked up to him, and I was like, what's the process? What's the procedure here? Like, am I allowed, Am I allowed to just ask you for a photo, and in my mind, in hindsight, it's a very weird way to approach a person. Mm. Oh, and I what did you say? What's
0: up? What did he
2: say? Oh, I got a photo. He was cool. Yeah, I, after that, I think he's probably used to fans maybe not knowing how to approach, you know, a basketball player out in the wild. Wild. <laughs> out in the I wild, got, I got
1: I got nervous for a second. You're going to be like, hey, TJ, do you mind pumping my gas?
2: That's right. <laughs> well, TJ did... looks
1: like he could be my math tutor. Right. How was the crowd for Mr. Matherin?
2: Uh, there wasn't really much of a crowd. Also, I don't believe Benedict Matherin was at my location.
1: Oh, I thought you said it was you went to my which location? My location was Tyrese
2: McConnell. Halliburton, O'Shea Brissett, and TJ McConnell. I like O'Shea Brissett. Uh O'Shea Brissett had a great, great personality. He uh, tossed me my gift card, which was really cool. Ooh. Uh and then Tyrese Halliburton said I have a cool hat.
0: Well you do have a cool is it were you wearing the hat you were wearing? This it now? exact
2: one on my head. I'm never taking it off. Tyrese Halliburton said it was cool. I do now, like
0: that hat. You went to which Kroger? I went to the one
2: up on sixty fifth. Sixty fifth uh, and Keystone. Yes. Okay. They were at four locations, right? Yes, they were. Were they giving away gas cards? I'm not too sure about gas, so you had to be either at the gas pump or inside, one or the other, not both. Um, inside, for the groceries, was where I was, and that's where I saw the players. As far as the gas situation, I'm not sure if there were any players out there or how that situation worked out.
0: You know, my dream job is to work at Kroger and bag groceries. I thought you interviewed. I did. Well, I applied. Yeah. I applied. Happened? I applied online because I figured in the late afternoons I could work four-hour shifts bagging groceries. I'm being totally serious. Yeah,
1: I remember you did it right and here. They the have, downtown one, right?
0: I've yet to get a call back. I sent my resume and everything.
1: Well, I did a background check for you a few weeks ago. I don't, I don't know if that influenced <laughs> anything on that front. But did they
0: call you as a ... I put you down as a reference. Yes, they did they call little, me. I'm telling you, the best job I ever had, aside from this one, of course, uh, was the cigar store in Broderpool. but. The first job I ever had was bagging groceries and working as a stock clerk at O'Malley's, and I loved it. I loved the people, the customers, the st- everything. I loved everything about it.
1: My wife worked at Marsh back in the day.
0: Yeah, I, I worked at Marsh in college. And I want to work like 12 to 15 hours a week bagging groceries and like stocking the shelves and just floating around to different Kroger stores and meeting people. I'd love to do it. We have a call me back.
1: preseason AP top 25 poll is out. UNC, Gonzaga, Houston, Kentucky, and Kansas. That is the top five preseason. Men's college basketball. This from ESPN, the first time since 1977. No Big Ten team in the AP top 10 for the preseason. Indiana checks in at 13. Michigan, 22. Illinois, 23. Those are the only Big Ten teams in the top 25. Purdue is 13. 35th in receiving votes. Michigan State, Ohio State, Iowa, and Rutgers also in the receiving votes
0: category. Speaking of receiving, the guy that did that in terms of the game winning touchdown for the Colts is going to join us next. Alec Pierce set to join the program on a chilly Tuesday morning. It's Kevin and Query, 93.5, 107.5, the fan. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, Jacob, curious. um Alec Pierce, very prompt, by the way, with his call-in on this Tuesday morning, very similar to his first career touchdown, as we saw on Sunday. I'm always curious what the first touchdown in the NFL, what these guys do with the ball. Like, are they conscious of, like, oh, man, I got to keep it? And then, like, do they go home and do they throw it with their neighbors? Don't they they get, like, like
0: a painted football that they they paint it for them? That is probably accurate. Put it in the case on the mantle. Let's just ask. Give it them. to a kid.
1: Uh Alec Pierce is with us right now on the Payless Lickers hotline. First off, Alec, good morning. Secondly, do you have the touchdown ball and where is it?
5: Uh good morning guys. And actually I I'm about to go get it when I go to the facility to uh this morning. So did,
0: have, you, have did, you put a place like on the mantle for it?
5: Uh I'm not sure. I'll probably, you know, just hang on to it and at some point do something with it, but yeah, we'll we'll figure it out.
1: Uh, I want to go back to that third down play from Sunday. Um, mm. When did you realize that, that that ball was, you know, coming your way? And what did Matt, Ryan, if anything, what, what did he say to you uh, in the huddle or before that play?
5: Um, you know, when I heard the play call, I kind of realized um, probably when, when when I saw press coverage, I, I knew it, the ball was going to come to me. Um, and, you know, he told me in the, in the huddle just to go get it a play
1: and then wasn't there a moment where you looked over at Reggie Wayne and he kind of gave you a pre-snap reminder
5: yeah like I I looked over to him I think before we got in the huddle or or whatnot, he was he was giving me a little uh signal let me know like you know be patient and work my release because I had I had a a play earlier in the day in the day where I had a a deep ball and I didn't really you know work much release just tried to run by the guy and um so he was just telling me to be patient you know work
0: work it I'm going to ask you, Alec, the dumbest question. I mean, you're a rookie. You may play 15 years in the NFL. 15 years from now, you're going to go, this guy asked me this question once. It's the dumbest question of my entire career, okay? Okay. Um, How much of, in, in any particular play, how much of that play is you strictly having to run the route and go about your business as it's designed for you Versus being aware of where your defender is and having to make adjustments based on the defense, or does the latter part not even enter your mind?
5: Um, we have some routes that that change based on how the defense is playing. So um, yeah, it's definitely that definitely does enter my mind. Um, it's pretty pretty simple stuff. You know, it's usually just reading like what type of what type of uh, defense they're playing. Like like cover two. A lot of times, my routes convert. Um, but that happened to be a play where my route converted to a go ball if they were pressed. So
1: he's rookie Alec Pierce. He's with us on the Payless Liquors hotline fresh off that game when he touched down on Sunday afternoon. Alec, how have you seen Matt Ryan's belief change in you over the first month and a half of the season?
5: Yeah, I think, you know, he I'm just continuing to um build confidence or he's continuing to be um, more confident in me. Um, you know, I just try to do every day in practice, go out there, and make plays, um, go out there, run the run the right routes, um, don't mess up many plays, you know, and, and get to the right depths and, and be there, if, like, right where he wants us to be.
1: Were you worried at all? Obviously, the concussion is out of your control week one, but you did have a drop in the end zone. Were you worried at all? Oh, man, you know, that was a great opportunity to make a strong early impression with my QB, and I just blew yeah. that chance, and now I'm not out there week two. Were you worried at all about, like, oh, geez it's gonna take me a while to regain that trust
5: um I don't I don't think I was necessarily worried you know I, week two was tough for me because I really wanted to um be cleared to play because I just wanted to get out there and you know continue to or prove to myself prove to the team you know prove to the fans everybody that i could, that I can play on this level so I know that was that was tough for me week two that i that I was set out because um, I really like that after week one after how i played like the the thing I wanted to do the most was get out there to the week, too. Like, it couldn't go by quick enough that week to get out there and play and prove myself.
0: Alec, I'm going to ask for you to simplify something for me. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. Mm. But I assume a lot of our listeners probably are the same. And I don't mean that to degrade them at all. I'm saying when you say they were running like a press, and so therefore it was a go route for me, yes. uh, in non-football terms for those of us that, that aren't wide receivers in the NFL, that means exactly what?
5: So that means the uh, press when the defenders like up tight on you on the line press press man coverage they're just they're just playing you uh in man coverage and they're they're playing you right on the line of scrimmage. um and you know my route would change from it was it was a shorter route, and you know that's that's tougher when the guy's right up there in your face you know the the best way to beat a guy i think when they're they're pressed tight like that you can just run by them, go deep so um it changed to a, a, just a deep ball
0: do you feel that your strength is more so? Getting that separation immediately on the line when a guy is up close on you, or if he is still close on you as the ball is coming, having the body control and strength to bring it in?
5: Um, I'd say probably the latter. I mean, I do I I think the biggest thing at this level, the quarterbacks are so good and then also the defensive backs are really good players too. So you're not gonna you're not gonna necessarily like Kill, kill the guy at the line of scrimmage all the time. Like, he's going to be there. You just got to get a, a good release where you you can hold the line and save space for the quarterback to throw you a, a good ball. And then, and then they do that because they're unbelievable players.
0: You personally, Alec Pierce, you played defense, you know, obviously in high school. I think even in college maybe you took some, some snaps playing as a defender. Mm-hmm. But how much does that benefit you now because you know – kind of the mind of a defender. Do you ever, when you're lined up, put yourself and revert yourself back to when you play defense to think through what your opponent is doing and then, of course, anticipate what's coming?
5: Um, I don't think I consciously do. I mean, a lot of it has just come from playing a lot of years of receiver. You 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 understand the looks um, and you understand, oh, like this guy – this guy might be playing the outside leverage. Like, what does that mean? He doesn't want me to go outside. So, if I threaten his outside, like he's gonna, he's gonna react to that, and he might make a move. So, on the release, you're gonna try to uh, threaten his leverage and, and go and uh, use that to your advantage, and, and and make him get off his spot and, and and make a move. So,
1: just got word the stream is back up and running. So, thank you to Alec Pierce for accomplishing yeah. that. Little does he know that he's helping us out technology wise today. Alec Pierce is with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Alec before if I'm not mistaken Reggie Wayne came down to Cincinnati and worked you out pre-draft. There was part of the Colts contingent that came down there. Um were you familiar or did you have like memories of Reggie Wayne as, as an NFL player?
5: Yeah, for sure. Um watched him growing up a, a good amount, you know. I grew up in I grew up in Chicago, so definitely remember watching the 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 Super Bowl of um I forget what year it was, but one day when they beat the Bears in the Super Bowl um, were you a Bears you know, fan? I wasn't a Bears fan actually, but I was actually a Packers fan, so it's kinda of like forbidden in uh in Chicago. But my dad my dad was from grew up and was from uh Wisconsin, so he got me
1: on that early. Gotcha. Well glad you made out of Chicago alive with that <laughs> fandom. Um, what yeah. has Reggie taught you the most in this rookie season? Um,
5: definitely a lot about, you know, just like Beating the DB, like you, like I said, with their uh, technique, uh, how they're playing, their leverage, all that. A- attacking that and using that to your, to your advantage to get open.
0: Alec Pierce is our guest. He's on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Um, Alec, at what point, if it has happened, I'm assuming it has, because things from the outside seem to be all kind of coming together for you right now. Was there a particular moment where you realized that the game – had just kind of slowed down and you now felt comfortable as an NFL receiver?
3: Um
5: I think I think, you know, week three that was kind of my goal in my mind. I don't I don't know if it just happened naturally, but I, I kinda told myself, you know, I was gonna go out there week three and just play football and, and not be so in my head thinking about, you know, if I'm doing things right, um, if I'm, you know, reading the defense right, whatever. So Kind of just told myself to go out there, relax, play football. I know Reggie been he's been on me about that, you know, since the day one of camp, kind of telling me, you know, just go out there and, and just just play play ball. He's like, he, he knows I have the skills, but he's just he, he thought like I was just you know thinking too much, which was just slowing down my game. So I, I really focused on that week three and told myself like right before I walked out on the field, like just go out there and play loose because that's how I think I play the best, you know.
1: Alec, I um am a very unapologetic diehard notre dame fan so my venom towards you uh was probably there i'll fully admit last fall i also am an indiana university grad so i guess i could go with that with what you did to both of those football programs last fall did you find it ironic at all that you were drafted by the colts after what you did to notre dame and indiana and those were probably uh, big reasons why chris ballard uh, fell in love with you
5: yeah it is pretty ironic um I definitely, you know, I thought it was a good thing cuz I I figured you know there's a lot of people here, a lot of fans here that that may have know, known who I was because of those games, so it probably helped, you know. Cause a lot of a lot of times people might be thinking, oh like who is this receiver out of Cincinnati, like smaller school, um didn't have like crazy stats in college or whatever. But at least at least a lot of people I think got the chances to watch me play cuz most most of those people who are fans of the um you know, the Hoosiers or Notre Dame they they beat Colts fans so I think a lot of people had experience watching me from one of those games.
1: They've gone from cussing at him, Jake, to cheering for that's him right. now. That's, that's right. right. Yeah. It's quite the one eighty. Alec, who's the best athlete in your family? Hmm.
5: That's that's a tough question. And I,
1: and I guess if you don't mind, can you fill us in a little bit on your parents' athletic background and your brothers?
5: Yeah. Um so my my mom and dad both played sports at Northwestern. My my dad played football there. My mom played volleyball there. Um, and then my brothers are both, they're both 6'6". So they, they got the height, definitely. Um, they are, they're both basketball players. My older brother uh, just signed overseas. Uh, he's playing in Montenegro. And then my younger brother, it's, it just got out to Princeton for his freshman year. He's, he's starting on basketball season here soon.
1: Well, we know who the smartest one is, I guess. Well, two Northwestern <laughs> grads. I don't know. Maybe that's... Yeah. That's a debate. Yeah.
0: Alec, finally, take me through what, you know, as a rookie player in the NFL, just take me through what a week is like for you. Like, when you're not at the complex, what sort of things do you have to do to get yourself both, I guess, mentally and physically prepared? How is that different, if at all, from college? Just take me through how life has been for you.
5: Life's been good, but yeah, it's definitely um, a bit more of a job. You know, we're, we're, we're there pretty much all day on the on the days we have practice. So like, it'll be Get in at whatever age and leave at 530, um, which is a little bit different than college because, you know, co- at college, you're kind of doing the same thing, but half the day was classes, you know, so it's the same kind of busyness. But instead of studying whatever class I had, I'm, I'm studying a lot more football. So and then I'm um, off days like today. I usually I go in and hit the jugs, which is a you guys know what jugs are, right? The, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a yeah, big catering back. company the here big. in Indy, but yeah, it's also <laughs> That's right. Um, they, well, they have unbelievable apple butter biscuits. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. That's the football throwing machine, right? Yeah. Hey, I couldn't figure out how to describe it, but yeah,
5: <laughs> footballs at you, and then go do you know whatever whatever rehab I'm feeling. Maybe get a massage there, and um, and then I, I study film. You know, especially early in the week, try to get familiar uh, with the team you're playing. It'll be a little bit. little bit different this week and last week because we've already played the team so don't necessarily have to study as much you already know kind of what they're going to do and and like the players the personnel so um yeah but definitely just when i'm home watch a little bit of film at night review what practice review the plays just make sure i'm on top of myself
1: alec last one um do you have a favorite uh place or restaurant in indianapolis or the surrounding area
5: Mm, not not yet, not that I can think of. I, I'm, I'm open for some recommendations. I, I live downtown, so if you guys got any, okay. any recommendations.
1: I, I, Jake will offer up, I, I believe it's the,
0: um, at Raskeller, it's the mustard. Oh, man, the hot mustard at the Raskeller, buddy. Let me tell you something. Between that and the St. Elmo Shrimp Cocktail Sauce, if you got a sinus issue, hit up either. Right. You're good to go. I had
5: the, I did have the the Saint Elmo's uh, shrimp cocktail. It was great. I love, I love horseradish. It was, it was delicious. Well, I then love. you got
0: to get the mustard at the Raskeller. Okay. I'm, I'm telling you right me. now. I, Thank I would,
1: I would encourage the
0: bye week some
1: mac and cheese from the Eagle, and probably do a couple servings of that. But save it for the bye week. Maybe, maybe for the off season.
5: Yeah. Okay.
1: Alec Pierce game winning touchdown. On Sunday, his rookie season, off to a wonderful start. Alec, congrats. Stay healthy, and uh, we'll be watching certainly on Sunday. Thank you, guys. Alec Pierce right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Prompt, 928, Jake. He was dialing us up.
0: Listen. On his off day. Right where he needs to be, exactly like he was on Sunday, right? No wonder Matt Ryan trusts him.
1: And he got our stream back up and working. The more he can do. Alec Pierce delivering for us. The stream is up. I'm very excited about that. Sam, the podcast should be up, correct? Good to go by about 11?
2: Yeah, by about 11, I'll have it.
1: Rick Carlisle, a little bit of Jeff Saturday action, and, of course, if you miss any of that Alec Pierce interview. Uh, one final time, and we'll close out with pop quiz for Kevin Hart tickets. Again, that's coming up this Sunday over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. If you get online for the pop quiz, you get two tickets to see Kevin Hart. 317-239-1070. Pop quiz is next. If you missed it, Rick Carlisle, Alec Pierce will have that up on the podcast. I think we're back up and running stream-wise, so apologies on that. Better late than never, I guess. Hopefully we'll be good to go the rest of the week. It is pop quiz time, though. A pair of Kevin Hart tickets were given away to Sunday's show at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Jake, I asked Scotty during the break the level of difficulty on the pop quiz, and he called it very hard. Fairly hard. Fairly hard. Okay, I stand corrected.
0: Fairly and very sound a lot alike. You got a number one through eight? Uh, we'll go with number three.
1: I'm struggling with my headset. Give me a sec, so go ahead
2: and take it from here. All right, well, number three is going to be Jason.
0: Jason, what's up? How's it going? Uh, not Not bad. Yourself? I'm looking forward to getting these Kevin Hart tickets. I like that, Jason. I like that. Have you called the program before? I have not. I listen to you guys every morning, but never got a chance to call. Uh, Just out of curiosity, if you had to, we asked this to Rick Carlisle, and he dodged the question. If you had to critique the show, uh, Jason, and, and, uh, you know, we'll take any criticism that that you have, you would do what to improve the program?
3: I think you guys do a good job, so I'm not going to give you guys any
0: any critiques you
3: guys know what you're
0: doing more than i do <laughs> well jason i appreciate that, that Zach,
1: was one of the friendlier comments we've ever zach, had this by the way
0: show. who says on twitter that he's got all the answers zach says do everyone a favor more kevin and no query <laughs> that seems harsh right yeah well good thing Probably rick Carlisle sorry. didn't say that <laughs> well he kind of did uh here we go jason <laughs> i will lead you off with question number one you ready i'm ready the 76th jason you sound like a nice fellow are you a, a great, native to the area voice. you do are you a native to the uh, area jason I am. I grew up in Oh, really? Did you go to Broad High School? I did not. I went to Chattard. Chattard, okay. Uh, That's where my wife went. What year did you graduate from Chitard, Jason? 2000. 2000, okay. The 76th NBA season gets underway tonight. Both the Celtics and Lakers enter the season with 17 NBA championships. That ties, of course, for the most in NBA history. What team has the third most NBA championships? With seven, by the way. Would it be the Bulls, the Warriors, the Syracuse Nationals, which are the same as the 76ers, or the San Antonio Spurs? I
1: got the Spurs.
0: What if I told you this team moved from the East Coast to the West Coast?
1: It's kind of similar to your high school Warriors. nickname. Yeah. Okay. All right, number two, Matt Ryan threw for 389 Jason in Sundays win over the Jags. In the process, Ryan moved into seventh place on the NFL's all time passing yards list, who currently. Stand sixth. Marino, Roethlisberger, Favre, or Phillip Rivers?
0: White, Nile, Mississippi, Favre. Thames. Yeah, you
1: did say Mississippi. That was kind of confusing. There. Ohio.
0: Oh, that's true. I did say Rob Mississippi. Morgan.
1: Oh, boy. <laughs> Ohio. Miami, Ohio. Nile, Jake, Jake, Nile.
0: <laughs> Okay. How about this one? Kind of close to your high school <laughs> is
3: the white blank. I said white. Oh, uh, yes.
0: <laughs> okay. Question three uh, Kansas City tight end Travis Kelsey had eight catches, 408 yards. Uh, he went with everyone but you. We got to go rapid fire here. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, what tight end, by the way, has the record for. With 32 career games with 100 or more receiving yards for a tight end, what tight end has the NFL record? Gronk, Tony Gonzalez, Kellen Winslow Sr., or Jason Witten? Uh, Jason Witten. Okay.
1: All right, number four. I'm changing the question. Who's the greatest athlete in the history of Bishop Chattard High School?
4: Uh, That's probably –
1: I got nothing on that one. Currently plays in the NFL.
0: Uh, Zach Martin. Okay. Uh, Last question. On this day, 1974, the first Pacers game played at Market Square and it took place. Who did the Pacers beat in their inaugural outing at MSA? Former Broadable star George Hill was drafted by this team. San Antonio Spurs, New York Nets, Kentucky Colonels, or Dallas Chaparrales? Can you repeat them again? Mm -hmm. Uh, Spurs, Nets, Colonels, or Chaparrales? Spurs okay
1: nice all right jason let's see how he did 76 nba season underway tonight celtics and lakers enter the year with 17 nba titles tied for the most in league history jake
0: the third on that list that would be the philadelphia san francisco and golden state warriors all right number two we uh to say we are confused on this <laughs> would be an understatement well I, I, you were correct mississippi and ohio probably threw it off but Nile. Tames. Well, when you start off with white, I'm thinking, well, they all white? are white. That's I, true. I, I was confused when on that. When you said one. near Broderpool High School, the white. Yeah.
1: Matt Ryan, 389 on Sunday. He's seventh place in the NFL's all time passing list, sixth on the list. It's not Brett Favre. It's not Ben Roethlisberger. He passed Dan Marino. It is indeed Philip Rivers.
0: Uh, Gronk was the tight end answer. Stay on the line, Jason. San Antonio Spurs, and I believe Rob Turner was the answer for the Chatard question, by the way. Yeah, that was a little bye. Zach Martin, I think, is a first bout Hall of Famer. He's a NFL. good player. Really good player. I think
1: I saw something where he's got more all pro selections than he has holding penalties in his NFL career. Um, That's usually a pretty good sign for an offensive lineman. Really good player. Thank you to Rick Carlisle. Thank you to Alec Pierce. Thank you to our listeners. I know the stream being down, not ideal for a lot of you, so apologies on that front. The podcast will be up here. Real, real quick before
2: hour. you sign off, sorry, Jason did hang up. So, Jason, if you're still out there and listening, please call us back. Ooh. I did not have the chance to get get in touch with you.
1: Jason, 317-239-1070. Don't call in and be a fake Jason here either. <laughs> I will recognize the Jason, original Jason's voice. We know voice where you went to high school. from
0: Chitard. Well, you just gave it away for the password. Call us. Back. Come on. Uh, what do we got tomorrow? We're doing a show? We got do Pacers we opening night. That's right.
1: Opening night for the Indiana Pacers tomorrow. The Wizards in town. Bradley Beal, Kristaps Porzingis, Johnny Davis. 10.
0: 10. Johnny
1: Davis, that's cool. On the Wizards. I was really glad the Pacers didn't draft him. No worries. I'll to be very really? honest with you. Yeah. I don't think he translate as a top 10 level talent. Thank you, everybody. Podcast will be up shortly. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 7.